Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 255. I am Peter and joining me once again is Matt. I love how you change it from as always to once again because of this crazy month. Yeah, this one, this one's made that yeah. sentence just completely inaccurate, yeah. so I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'll bring it back in a few weeks. Seems good. Yeah. Uh, it's been an yeah. odd month. It's been an odd month. I was just saying before we started that this is the first time this whole month that I've recorded this on a Saturday, which is weird because we did like four years in a row with nothing but Saturdays. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, the flexibility a little bit, you know, uh, helps, helps with certain things, not with others. But, uh, yeah. Mm, yes. Uh, um, uh, let's not pretend that Matt's main focus this week's been on comics. He's been pulling his hair out on Twitter over hockey. Uh, I, I don't know what's going uh, on. I, I, I just game, see him getting game very sevens upset. Do, game sevens do that to you, but thankfully the Knights won and moved on, and now they get to play the number one team uh, to their number two team. Uh, so um, it's a little less anger-flying because there's no should-have, because Colorado's clearly been the better team. But, yeah. It it was it was a rough week, I'll tell you that much. Well, game eight is going to be even more uh, uh, scary game then. Eight, they're no, they're no game eight. Then now it goes to game one. Well, well no, you restart the series. Well, the joke is, I don't really understand what game seven. And no, I want to explain. I'm okay not knowing. No, no, no. <laughs> you just finished Mighty Ducks, Game Changers. You should know a little bit. You know? I don't think the phrase game seven ever came up that entire show. You know, that's and, and youth hockey, they don't do tournaments like that, I don't think. Not they went to seven. There was a lot of talk of states. They went to states. There was states. Yeah, so that'd be a state tournament. That That's single loss, you know. Yes, yes. There was no, none of this yeah. game seven malarkey. This is a DC yeah. Comics podcast. We get together and we talk about the DC Comics we read uh, this week. And coming up on this week's show, we have. Detective Comics 1036, Action Comics 1031, Robin Issue 2, Stargirl Spring Break Special Issue 1, we have Mr. Miracle the Source of Freedom Issue 1, Batman Superman Issue 18, and of course Strange Adventures Issue 10. So it's a pretty busy week, and a lot of big books this week actually, a lot of important books. Not big in page count per se, but this is not like a couple of weeks ago where we had the 100 page no. mammoth and then uh, the big anthology book alongside it. But uh, a lot of interesting books to talk about. Uh, we also have solicits. It is that time of the month? Although it's not really that time of the month. They're late. They are super late. They came out Wednesday mm-hmm. this week, which is the latest I have ever seen the solicits come out. Uh, so get your shit together, DC, because this is really messing with my uh, my schedule, my monthly yes. <laughs> podcast schedule. <laughs> so yeah, we'll talk about those. Uh, but naturally, we're going to start with everyone's favorite segment. It's the Comixology Top 10, baby! Every time I leave and come back, I forget. <laughs> I forget. I could cheat and just remember, but I can't. <laughs> I don't know I don't know what sort of uh, weird household Matt grew up in where he was told that remembering is cheating, but... <laughs> what I mean is, I could just look forward and then just spoil it. But I don't even think to do ah, that. Ah, sure, yes. Well, no, don't do that. That's fun. The, the, the... Exactly. And, it's, yes. I, and I always forget. You know why? Because I'm a good boy. Yes. And I don't even think like that. So, you know, I have honor. Mm, of course. So, we are looking at the top 10 digital books 
on Comixology, specifically the UK one, but I don't think it makes much difference. Uh, the idea is that these change every day, but at the time of recording of the podcast, which is back to the usual Saturday, as I as I mentioned before. Uh, so we'll look and see what made the top 10. Number one is a Marvel book, X-Men issue 20. Okay. Is number one. Uh, number two is another Marvel book, technically. And by technically, I mean it's Star Wars, so I don't really count it as Marvel. <laughs> Darth Vader issue 12. Uh, and then issue three is the highest-selling DC Comics book as of right now on Comicsology of the Week. What do you think it is, Matt? They came out this week? This week. Uh, let me see what books came out this week. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a minute. I'm going to say it is... Let's just go. Let's go, uh, Robin. Uh, no, not Robin. No. Yeah. Not Robin. Um, what's the what's the safe bet? What's the safe bet every time this question's asked? I, mean, I always go to Batman, but I don't want it to be Batman. <laughs> I mean, is it Detective? It is Detective Comics. Which, yeah, you know. See, I didn't want it to be though. Yeah. I wanted to be surprised. Yeah, Detective One Thousand Thirty Six uh, is number three overall and the highest DC book. Then we're back to Marvel at number four with New Mutants issue eighteen. Uh, and then we return to DC, Strange Adventures issue 10 at number 5. That is nice to see that still doing well, uh, those high-quality books doing well. Uh, I guess we're back to Marvel again, because now they own this, but Alien issue 3 is uh, mm. number 6. And then we have Action Comics, 1031, at number 7. Uh, now Star Wars book at uh, number 8, which is Doctor Aphra, issue 10. And then Robin issue 2 comes in at number 9. And then we have our first non-DC or Marvel book at number 10, which is Monstrous issue 34 from Image. Hmm. Uh, and then just to sort of like sort of show where the little DC books pop in, uh, right after that, number 11 is Batman Superman, issue 18. So that's neat. Um, and then I'm just glancing down the rest of this. Teen Titans Academy comes in uh, at number 16, that looks like. So a little bit further down. Um, and I'm just going to page two there to see where uh, Stargirl... Oh, look, it's, it's at the top of page two. It's, uh, that'll be number 20. Uh, no, no, number... Okay. I mean, it's on a page. There's 24. I wish they numbered these on the full layout. Uh, so I'll be 26. Number 26 is Stargirl Spring Break Special. Uh, followed immediately by Dollar History of the DC Universe, number four. So, uh, And I missed America's a bit further down in the 30s. So... Yeah, but I mean, I don't think anyone expected that to be a super high selling book. Uh, I would say so. No, but hey, uh, not not a bad uh top ten for DC. They got three books mm-hmm. in there. Uh, oh sorry, four books in there. Four, four, four's pretty reasonable. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, on this week, you know, um, it just seems like X Men's still killing it because it's X Men, right? Yeah, like. You know, pe- people are, are uh, I feel like, I don't hear anybody ever talking about X-Men, though. It's weird. Like, it's, it's the best selling, but across Twitter, I never, never see it. Except for this Hellfire Gala thing, where people are talking about how they're all dressed and stuff, and it's just weird, not my scene. You know, I, mean, I don't care about that type of stuff. I mean, just, the circles are so separate, maybe, that we just don't encounter it. I, I, that's the only thing. And there's an X-Men mm-hmm. bubble. And if you're in that yeah. X-Men bubble, you're, you're all you're doing is talking about all these X-Men books, but yeah. uh, for those of us on the outside of it, we're not hearing much of it. Um, yeah. Nightwing did very well last week. Nightwing was, like, really high-ranking last week. So. As, as well it should be. Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic book. I mean, yeah. last week we had the trifecta of Nightwing, Catwoman, and Wonder Girl, which were uh, all very... Bing, bing, bing. Uh, ...high-rated on the show. Uh, uh, 
So Pam V just continues to kill it, you know, and mm-hmm. then, you know, as we, we all know, our love of patron saint, Tom Taylor. Yes. So, and our shared love of deck. Yes. Wait. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, that's that's become a funny thing because when we were discussing Catwoman last week, I had because Connor hadn't read the anthology book yet, you know, the the Asian celebration, and I had I, no idea about shoes. Huh? I, I had to break. I had to sort of. Well, by the way, I'm going to be talking about this character shows quite a bit. Here's why. So yeah. I told him on the show like who she was. Yeah. You know, just quick bullet point. I'm going right. to do a similar thing here with you because uh, a patron's making me read Joker again. Uh, um, and so I read. So it's a month behind, but I read issue two last week and talked about it on the yeah. show. So I'll say spoilers for Joker issue two if you if you're like behind on that book and you don't want it spoiled. Um, but Gordon knows that Barbara's Oracle used to be Batgirl and has known for years. Uh, mm. And it was an interesting development in the, in the story. I, I I like that though, just because I like the fact that like he's dad. And of course, he's gonna notice his daughter. Is that, you know, like it's as, a it's a good one-on-one conversation moment, and she kind of pulls up, she pulls him up in a couple of things that he said to Batgirl in the last couple of years when he knew who she was, and it yeah. and it comes across as a bit. And obviously, this is a little bit of a like I'm sure when they wrote those stories and they had him say certain things, mm-hmm. they weren't actually intended to be him knowing right. she's Barbara, but uh, they're they're making it work uh, now. That's so. true. Uh, I thought I'll update because I, I assume it's going to come up at some point that, that Gordon knows who she is. Then this week, but yeah. Uh, hey, but hey, but your crazy month is over, so at least she should be up to date with the books now. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, I, I kept reading everything. Um, I just wasn't going to read Joker. Because, oh sure. You know. I, I, well, I meant more up to date on the ones you're not reading because you're on the show. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, um, as a you know, as opposed to you know, there's co- not a lot. Connor, whose schedule's like forever in flux these days. Well, uh, and that's, here's the thing, though. I still enjoy reading comics, and I make my time, even even at work. You know, so like I, I put down my, you know, iPad, which that, that was a whole thing this week. Apparently, my work Wi-Fi sucks, and I keep getting charged data overages mm. from my cell company because I, I was deciding to watch some things on a break, like uh, like NXT or AEW, and it and it's jacked up my data, so. I, I put down my iPad this week and, and you know, hammer through my comics. So of course I'm up to date. I don't like I don't like to get behind like Connor does. That's just not not good for life. Yeah, Connor has some weird binges sometimes where he'll be like, I've got to yeah. read three weeks worth of comics before tomorrow and he'll just sit and do it like a madman. And to me you can't enjoy it. like that's all on him, right? Like <laughs> but to me you can't enjoy it when you're binging stuff like that. It's even like like I had a friend get on me about watching Bad Batch and I'm just so going through and watching them, I'm just like, this is good, but it's not amazing. But I mean, maybe it's just because I'm binging it and I'm not like there for it. I don't know. I mean, yeah, TV. I definitely prefer weekly as a format. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of binge the comics, and I most weeks I will read them all on the night before and the day of recording. Like mm-hmm. I tend to just sort of let them. Right. But we're talking like six to eight books when I do that. Not three weeks worth. Yeah. Not, you know, twenty four books sometimes. Yeah, Connor sits down. Because he sat and read like a whole omnibus in a day, and this is if that's normal. And I'm sure many people do. Some people just sit and read because that's what they want to do. Like, you can murder a dog with one of those. (laughs) It's a lot of pages. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Anyway, that's Cobb's Algy Top 10, I guess. Uh, Mm -hmm. And does chastising Connor for something while he's not here. Why not? Uh, All right. 
DC Comics solicitations for August 2021. There was a couple of news things that we did talk about last week because they, they released the, the usual little early highlights, but there's some stuff in here that are that is new, and we'll run down the list as we always do. Uh, the first thing on here is actually a graphic novel, kind of. I mean, honestly, it's more of an anthology, but it's big enough, and it's, I think it's getting a hardcover, mm-hmm. so it is a graphic novel, effectively. It's called Batman the World. It's the first thing on the solicitor. I was like, what the hell is this? And it's basically an anthology with teams representing different countries telling Batman stories around the world. The US team is Azarello and Bahermo. Mm-hmm. Um and then there's a big list of other countries uh with, with teams. We got we got Poland in there, Italy, Mexico, Brazil. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna read them all, but there's a I, I don't like how they group North America as a group. That would be like taking, you know, Spain, Italy, and Germany, Czech, Russia, Poland, and be like Europe. Mm-hmm. You know, just just say you know. Uh, well, Mexico is part of North America too. These oh man, these solicits. Yeah, I mean, no respect for geography. And the list of the but, the, the 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 creators, it just says USA. It doesn't yeah. say North yeah, America. Yeah, so, so. But yeah, a lot of these names I do not recognize, which uh, is which is kind of cool because that means they're getting a a spotlight. Yeah, I mean, I think that see? makes sense because they're all. I mean, obviously, we do get a lot of, like, especially artists, we get a lot of foreign artists who end up in mainstream comics, yeah. but it makes sense that a lot of these creators are, you know, they, they make comics in their own country and their own language, and we don't necessarily see them all that much. Right. So, that's uh, kind of interesting. Um, and as funny as it would be for me to try and pronounce the 50 names that are in this list, let's, I'm let's going to, not. yeah, I'm, I'm going to just move on. Um, you know what? Why don't we try the Czech ones first? The Czech ones? All right, where's Czech on this list? Uh, it's right after Germany. So you have Thomas von Kumit, Kumat, Kumant, and then you have Stepan Kopriva. Uh, it, it it's the one after Czech Republic. So let's see who are they. Oh, they're the Polish ones. All right, Polish. Uh, Ertan on Ertan Ergil, and Ethom Onur Bilicic. Yeah, that's fine. That's the best uh, attempt to go for and you. The, the Czech one, I know this from watching uh, hockey, is that the, the Tomas with a Z is Tomas. I'm not even going to try the last name. Kolo, uh, uh, Kolo, D- Kolo, Kolo Zajic. Yeah. <laughs> we know that from wrestling. <laughs> uh, and, and then, of course, Peter Kowalski. That one's pretty easy. Uh, and then Brad Simpson. Thanks, Brad. You know? Uh, is he really Polish? I don't know if I buy that he's Polish. You know what, though? I mean, we have a lot of, you know, Polish names in America. Why couldn't we have more Anglicized names in Poland? True, true. So people can move the other yeah. way. That happens. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, just seeing that after <laughs> <laughs> Peter Kowalski, Brad Simpson, <laughs> and then Ertan Estevan and Pedro Mayara. Of, of all things, that reminded me of Dude, Where's My Car? Of yeah. all things, there's a scene where they're interested to all these cultists, and they all have like these weird names beginning with Z, where it's like, yeah. you know, Zathur, Zethro, Xantar, and I guess the one guy is just like, Jeff. Jeff, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on, Jeff. Uh, not a good movie, obviously, but... Uh, I like that movie. I, I'm not going to say it's good. I mean, have you seen but... it since, like, 2000s? No, I tried to talk Ashley into watching it, and we ended up watching How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days instead. Um... But yeah, uh, I really, I'm kind of afraid to, but I used to watch Dude, Where's My Car all mm. the time, so. Uh, the guy, the actor who played Shooter McGavin was announced to be yes. in something the other day. I think mm-hmm. it was Secret Invasion, the, the, the Disney Plus show. Okay. Uh, and people were posting gifts of Shooter McGavin, and I'm like, 
you know what? I kind of want to go back and watch Happy Gilmore, but I'm scared to. I'm scared that I'm no. going to hate it now. No, no, because it's it's gonna be the same. Yeah, some of the Happy Gilmore is one of my favorite movies. Okay. It, everything still hits the same. There's very for Sandler. There's not a lot of uncomfortable comedy in that one. It's probably okay. his most straightforward. You know, Billy Madison almost has has more uncomfortable moments in in 2021, um, where you're kind of cringy. Just because, you know, it's not as funny when you're in your 30s. Um, that said, there's still some stuff that they're happy. I would definitely give it another watch. It's, I mean, that one's always on when we watch here. Plus, you know, th- then if you really get incensed, you can watch Hubie Halloween. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. Why, why would I do that to myself? That's just it's, it's not terrible. It's not great, but it's definitely not terrible. It it fits into that. I'll tell you what, it gets the Halloween vibe and tone better than most uh Halloween set movies. So Yeah, you know, but I'll give it that. I mean if I'm going to choose between that and Ernest Scared Stupid, I'm going to pick Ernest Scared Stupid, okay? Enough yeah, you're not wrong. All right, uh solicits. <laughs> yes. Uh Batman Fierce Day Alpha issue one. What is this you may ask? Um, well, we talked about this last week, but Matt may not know what it is because he wasn't nope. here last week. Uh, so Batman, is, it's not really, I mean, they keep calling it a bit of a crossover and event. Honestly, the arc that's going to start in Batman in September is a five or sorry, six issue arc uh, that's sort of the culmination of all the Scarecrow stuff that's been building with Sane and all that. Um, yeah. Uh, what they're doing beforehand, though, is that this is going to affect other parts of the DC or at least the Gotham sort of, you know, corner of the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes sense because even Catwoman's issue last week kind of brought in the, the same stuff and you know it feels like it's all yep. connected. It's uh, it's what I'm liking about comics. And I said this last week about for the first time since pre-Flashpoint, it feels like DC Comics are interconnected. And it, and it doesn't feel like, oh, you have to read Catwoman to also enjoy Detective. But if you are reading both, you get that sense of a larger picture. Yeah. And it feels nice. So... If this is not not an event in like the way that death metal, but like it's a story event, almost like what was that? Uh, when the earthquake hit, no man's land, in yeah. in Gotham, kind of like that. So, yeah. Uh, so what they're doing in August is we're getting this one shot, which has obviously it's tiny. Uh, we got Ricardo Federici uh, as the main team. How, how often have we seen Federici on interiors? Because I thought Federici is always covers so that's pretty exciting i feel like i have but yeah it's not often yeah, yeah. it's not often so that's not cool often. uh so and this is kind of like a primer for it um it picks up threads from infinite frontier zero which for the record connor last week thought it hadn't happened yet and he started theorizing what was going to happen in infinite frontier issue zero <laughs> you should have just let him oh, I'll let just him go, go oh yeah oh I let him go for a little bit, and I double checked just to make sure I wasn't going to sound stupid when I started making fun of him, and then I proceeded to mock him. We clearly read it. I, I, I know we read it. <laughs> so, uh, so this is kind of your big primer issue, uh, which leads into another sort of big story, which is I Am Batman issue zero, which is actually the prelude to what presumably would be in the new John Ridley travel form in uh, mm-hmm. next Batman book. Uh, which will be more, you know, obviously right now we're working through the, the digital first that's coming out physically, and this is kind of the next part. So, which in hindsight, I mean, it already felt important because it felt like it was in the current continuity anyway, but now that it's leading into something that's spinning out of this story event in Batman, uh, it just makes a lot of sense. 
Uh, and we'll get to the other ones later on, but uh, Catwoman and I think Harley are, are the other two books in August that are kind of like doing some prelude stuff for Fear State, which is uh, mainly just Batman's story in its book. Although, that said, I expect other Gotham books to tie into it a little bit uh, through those months. Mm-hmm. And given that we're getting an Alpha State, uh, or sorry, a Fear State Alpha, I imagine there'll be a Fear State Omega at the end of the event. Uh, kind of like how they do that. Um, yeah. Yeah, as these end, end caps. Uh, so I think that that's the way DC is going to do things going forward. Sure, especially sure. if they're kind of weekly. What I like about this is that, unlike some other things where we hear, oh, they're doing this crossover event, you know, in three or four months' time, and it'll be some, and not that some of these ones are bad, you know, when they announce, like, say, Endless Winter, it's like, okay, well, what's that? We mm-hmm. have no context for what that is. I love that when, as soon as they said they're doing Fear State and I see that Scarecrow in the image, I'm like, mm-hmm. we're already building to this. This is already something that's planned right. that I feel like more excited for because all these seeds and all this build, this, no, no, this feels like a big deal. It feels like it's justifiable that they're spending a lot of time advertising it and a lot of focus on it because, no, I already feel like we're building to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's already context, so it feels feels cool. So then you get I Am Batman issue zero, which I, I just mentioned, uh, which... Uh, presumably is going to lead to an issue one if not the following month then maybe after the the arc is yeah. done uh, in a few months time afterwards but that is cool uh so then there's a few trades here we have the next batman second son trade obviously collecting the the physicals that are coming out now uh hardware season one issue one so there's some of these milestone books uh more of them kicking off this is brandon thomas writing with dennis cohen and bill uh Sinkovitz on yeah. the art. So this is issue one of six. But I mean, again, they're they're calling this season one issue one. So they're you know very right. intently naming this in a way where they can do a series of minis, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is neat. Uh, Lock and Key, Sandman Universe, Helen Gone issue two. Uh, order That's of, wild. Yeah, the order of this is a little bit on the weird side. Uh, but hey, yeah. Uh, Batman eighty nine issue one is coming out in August. Look- Look at that Billy D is two faced. Uh, I know. Image. That's fantastic. Obviously, next up as well is Superman 78 issue one. And I have to say, like, I'm kind of pumped to like read both of these and talk about them because even even like even though Batman 89 is not, like I'm not a huge you, I'm not a big guy. A no. Right. I'm still morbidly curious about the comic. And when I look at that Superman 78 cover and I see the Gene Hackman Lex, I'm like, yes, I want to read this. Well, and then that's the thing, is like that's clearly Gene Hackman as Lex, and then you look at like I you know that's supposed to be Margot Kidder. It's not as cl- it's not as as it, good, good no. at, but it's yeah, it's close enough. Yeah, you but can... like it's Lois. She has purple eyes. Like that's one of my favorite things is when they nail the color of her eyes. Uh so you know. Uh, and then the brainiac shit behind him. And this is a great image. Yeah, we're we're doing Reeve Superman taking on Brainiac. Like like how much do you wish that was what Superman 3 yeah. actually was? I mean, and, and I have a lot of soft spot for Superman 3 and all its stupidity, yeah. but... It's not yeah. not like uh, talking Superman and Superman 4. Oh, you know, he, he loves that movie. That man is delusional. <laughs> uh, so, uh, speaking of that, we were me and my wife were talking about Brandon Ralph for whatever reason, and she goes, you know what, I don't think I've ever watched Superman Returns with you. And I went, oh no. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch this again. <laughs> that said, I'll take that to the other later later you know one so cool. you know at least superman acts like superman in superman returns and he's a little bit creepy yeah, i mean but, all, all on the uh you know the the peeping Stalking. tom uh, yeah, element yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. he actually saves people goes out of his way to you know yeah uh, be compassionate 
And yeah, but we had a talk. I forget what we were talking about. I think maybe she said that she hasn't seen him in anything in a while. And I was like, well, he's Ray Palmer on Legends. He's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is so, this? So that's cool. Uh, then there is a new miniseries coming, a black label book. Uh, this is like by Tim Seeley and Sarah Beatty, who I actually didn't know did comics. I actually only know her because occasionally I'll see retweets of some of her kind of uh, raunchy comedy. <laughs> I'll call yeah. it. Yeah, um, I know this because her and Tim Seeley had a independent book that was it was called Money Shot, which is all all you kind of need to know. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, most of the tweets that I see, like retweeted yeah. from her, tend to tend to be very erotic in their comedy. Yes. Uh, yeah. Not that I expected that's going. I mean, maybe Lobo will have some uh, sex jokes or something in this. I I trust Tim Seeley enough with Superman. Mm -hmm. You know. Well, just to give the title, because I've been kind of dancing yeah. around it. Superman versus Lobo issue one is the book we're talking about here. Uh, this is a three-issue book, so it's uh, three double-sized issues. It's just one of the, yeah. the Black Label staples. It's, yeah, it's one of those big, oversized ones. Uh, kind of like Harleen was. Yeah, Prestige Plus. So it's three yeah. 48-page issues. Uh, Tim Seeley and Sarah Beatty uh, writing with Mirka and Dolfo on the art. Uh, oh, there's a so. shot right there. Uh, to the back. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean... I, I'm, obviously, we're not the world's biggest Lobo fans, but I, I liked Tim Seeley well enough, and yeah, we'll give it a give it a shot. See how it goes. So it's basically King Kong versus Godzilla, where they're trying to fight each other to see, base off of this. Sure. You know, uh, they're they're pitting each other to see, you know, what wins, which is a it's a good social. I, I guess you can say experiment between Superman and Lobo. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Well, it was just one of those super 90 characters that I'll ne I don't think I'll ever... And this is coming from someone who loves Guy Gardner. So, you know. Yeah. So, and much like Godzilla vs. Kong, there's one that I want to win. There's one clear winner that should win, and that one should, well, probably win, and that's Superman. Much like Godzilla. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he never tapped. <laughs> it was it was Brock and Taker yelling at each other's faces, and I'm, that's my story. No. <laughs> yeah, right. It was uh, I, all the all the talk I did about watching Kong versus Godzilla a million times mm -hmm. on HBO Max. I only watched it in the theater, you know. So take take that for what you will. Yeah. Um, oh, well, my return to the theater might be. I mean, it's not that imminent because the gap's wider yeah. here, but I do have yeah. my date now for my first uh, vaccine Ooh. shot. Um, that's nice. that said, that said, the gap between shots here is bigger than what you had, so it'll probably oh. still be a few months before I'm actually yeah, fully mine, done. Mine was a month between the two, um. So I, th I think, yeah, yeah, I think it's like three or four months here that they're doing. Oh shoot, man! Well, the fact is, is that sounded really bad at first, but then there was reports coming out later that the effectiveness of the second one's actually up a little bit, uh, not by yeah. much, but it's actually a little bit stronger yeah, if you cover gives, a gap. It gives your body time, especially for the mRNA vaccines. Yeah. It gives your body more time to adapt to the vaccine and and stuff. I think here they're just trying to roll them out, especially in yeah. Vegas, because we're so tourist driven. I th you know? Yeah, I think the idea here is that they were so desperate to say they'd vaccinated everyone by just giving them their first shot that they were more concerned with doing first for everyone. Yeah, well, and I, I'm coming up on June. I'm gonna have to find how, where to go get a booster because you're supposed to you have to booster them, um, you know, after that. From from what I hear from Friends that are in the medical profession. I've heard so, probably they need boosters every year for a while, if not forever. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Uh, and that's fine by me. They're free. Like, I just got my first flu shot back in October at, at the age of 35. Mm. So if that's going to be normal going forward, then I'll go to the local pharmacy and they can jab me. Sure. Uh, yeah. But no, well, congrats on, on setting your uh, first appointment. And, I, you know, it's just... It's just nice. I, f- I feel like I feel like everyone I talk to in every other goddamn country's already had a double dose by now. Yeah, and I'm I'm it, sitting here waiting for my first. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's why it would have been nice for the companies just to you know give out the vaccine instructions to every country mm. and let them develop their own. But money. <laughs> yes, and the best news of all this is that Connor is terrified of needles. That is the best part of all of this. He's. He will take the blood clot risk to just get the one. You know, granted, that was seven people out of over a million and a half doses, which is you're more likely to get bit by a shark while being struck. Yeah, by it was. Well, that's the thing yeah. that the under 40s here are getting a different uh-huh. version because it's uh-huh. because the, the risk to people younger is actually higher for the blood clots with the, the particular yeah. one. Uh, which again, it's still a minimal chance. It's a very, very minimal. Of course, but, but you want to you want to lower your edge as much as possible. But yeah, I thought about that with Connor because I used to be not as needle phobic as him. But you know, um, after you know getting poked and jabbed a couple times, you kind of just you just don't look, and you, mm. you trust that the the person administering it knows what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, taking out now having blood drawn that's a whole different story. <laughs> you you get one shot, then you catch these hands. You miss. Uh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Uh, all right, all right. What's next? Batman Secret Files Clown Hunter issue one. This is something they started. Uh, you know, the solicitor two ago. We're getting these like sort of monthly uh, yeah. one shots for various bat side characters. This is by Ed Brisson, writing with art by Rosie Campy. Um, I'm not actually against getting some more Clown Hunter context. He's been solid enough in, in the book, but it's not by Tynion, which makes me a little less interested just inherently. But we'll see. We'll see. So. Yeah. I'm still not sold on Clown Hunter. I just, like, I don't know. It's just one of those ones that I think it's going to take a while. Um, well, if you want to feel conflicted, we'll the next thing on this list is The Joker Presents a Puzzle Box Issue 1. And why will you be conflicted, Jimmy asked? Well, because Matthew Rosenberg is the writer on this, um, with Jesus Marino and Joshua Hickson on the art. I'm going to read the description for this, because this this sounds a little bit more weird to get your head around. It's story time. The GCPD discover a mysterious corpse, a magical box, and a murderer's row of the city's most dangerous villains sitting in a jail cell. Now, all they need to do is figure out exactly what happened. Fortunately... One suspect is willing to talk. Unfortunately, it's the Joker. Now, superstar writer Matthew Rosenberg, a magnificent artist Jesus Marino, and the multitude of rising star artists invite you to spend a night in the Gotham Central interrogation room for a dozen tales of murder, mayhem, and mystery as told by the Clown Prince of Crime himself. So this is this is a this is an interrogation now, room mystery story. Uh-huh. Obviously centered around the Joker, which is the part that you may not like. But here's the thing. Like the the uh, it's almost an anthology style. It's Joker telling stories. I assume Jesus Marino is doing the main art, but every time he tells uh-huh. a story, it'll go to a different artist. Hickson, right? Or yeah, so yeah. this one it's Hickson. That's kind of the Joker that I want, where it's not him constantly terrorizing Gotham, because I I don't mind a a smaller story like this. You know, like in in Gotham Central, you have the the Joker's and Mad Men arc. You know, that where Joker kind of was this threat that you never saw. Um, 
and you felt his presence, but he wasn't on every page. And yeah, man, I don't know. I, I don't feel good giving my money to more Joker stuff, but I kind of <laughs> like the vibe of this. Hey, uh, I'll give them this. If they're going to keep making more Joker things, they, they do find ways to actually have interesting yeah. premise based around it. You know, between the Lemire book, between Harleen, if you want to count that, uh, even the yeah. Joker book right now, uh, like, I mean, you said you don't like Joker on every page. Joker's like, it had like one page in the first issue. Issue two, he had maybe like yeah. three pages. You know, it's a Gordon book. It's a Jim Gordon book. Yeah, Here, here's the thing, though. I would have went and got caught back up after that first issue had they not done their shenanigans. Oh, yeah. It's a dollar more. The, the price you know? thing is, yeah, whatever. But like in terms yeah. of the, 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 the content itself. Yeah. It, it, that's, yeah. And that's really the bar for entry is that extra dollar for a book. Oh, that, for sure. You know, so, um, I mean, I don't know. Sorry, I'll tell you about Maybe it. when it comes out in trade. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. That's, that's the way to do it. Uh, this next thing, for reasons unknown to me, Pennyworth issue one. Uh, they're doing a young oh, Pennyworth spy series, obviously somewhat inspired by the, the TV show. Epics. Yeah, uh, which I think is, is moving to, to HBO Max for its next season because mm-hmm. Epics are, you know. Yeah, well, it's whatever. Epics. I, I don't know too many series that Epics does. Like, Epics used to be the place that would that would do Indiana Jones marathons mm. every I, three days. Honestly, weekend, you I know? mean... Either it's going to become a channel just to promote Amazon Prime content, or it stays mm-hmm. unnumbered because now Amazon own MGM, which own Epics, right. which means right. like, do they have any interest in having a cable network? You know what? They could just make it the James Bond channel. I'm sure enough people would, would oh, watch. Sure. You know what I mean? There's there's enough catalog. I was just there. talking on the news uh, this week or last week about how Disney are basically slowly shutting all of their cable channels in the UK because they're like, no, we don't mm-hmm. want to put. Disney plus. XD, Disney this, Disney that. No, mm-hmm. we got Disney Plus. That's what we want people to go buy. We don't want yeah. these linear channels anymore. Which makes sense. So, like, we were big on DuckTales, and DuckTales was on XD, and it got to the point where it was constantly moving around. So even if I tried to DVR DuckTales, mm. I would fall behind. So we just decided to wait, and now it's been added to Plus, and, you know, when we have time, we're going to, you know, go through them. Um, I kind of get it. I mean, cable. I mean, cable went out during uh, Game Six. And <laughs> I was ready to go throw a brick through my cable company's office. Uh, so you know, anything to kind of stick it to the man, I guess. Yeah. Uh, if you're Disney and you are the man, how do you stick it to the man? I don't know. It's a weird. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Like they they make, you know, like there's no middleman with the cable provider yeah. making a, a hefty cut of whatever they're right. You know. Right, and you know that that's where a lot of these, you know news I, i'm using quotes channels get their money mm. is you don't they don't rely on ratings they are getting money from the cable subscriptions so you know if, that shows you how much you know the cable companies are making off of us you can just go direct to the source now yeah you know i, I mean i have peacock hulu paramount i almost pay more for streaming than i do for tv it's weird and the only reason i still have cable is to watch hockey yeah sport, so, sports are the one thing keeping live tv yeah relevant basically yeah and because you i need to have my my cable login to access like when i was out of town trying to watch the night game when i was out of town you know if it was on nbc i was fine because i have my cable login and it'll just you know mm-hmm. but but yeah um i i gotta make sure that i get the night channel still the channel that plays on and you know my cable days might be numbered yeah yeah because there's just so much too man like we were trying to find stuff to watch the other night 
and you almost just get overwhelmed because you're like, oh yeah, we can watch this, or or we can watch that, and it's it's almost too much. Back to the solicits. By the way, <laughs> David's going to have a lovely time editing the solicit section uh, for the individual episode or the individual video. Uh, uh, Sorry, David. Aquaman 80th anniversary special issue one. This this was in the news last week, uh, along with the the bat event stuff. Uh, mm. So we'll go into it again. But you know, it's your hundred page anthology, all the variant decade covers, all that usual shebang. Yeah. Oh man, I don't see uh, Kelly Sue's name on here. That's a shame. Oops. I I, I was excited to see Jeff Parker back. Uh, yeah. Though Parker's on there. I don't also. I don't see um Abnett, who you know over over rebirth. Yeah, the newest. That's- Pair, basically, yeah the, yeah. the newest writers aren't involved, uh, seemingly. But we have Jurgens and Johns, and you know, hard to be mad at those two names. Like you said, Parker, and then just the art. I mean, Doc Shane are doing an Aquaman story. I feel, I feel like Dan Waters is just there because his name is Waters, and it was just too good of <laughs> yeah. a pun to not, not, not pass up. Uh, so, oh, uh, so we do have a, a fifth week in. August, so we do have some annuals to uh, mention here. Batman Superman 2021 annual. Uh, Gene Lu Yang is writing, which I always like when it's a, the, the usual writer. Just, it just makes me feel more comfortable about the, the whole thing. Oh, pardon me. Mm-hmm. Nice. We just had a Connor hiccup there. <laughs> Breakfast trying to come back up or lunch. Yeah, uh, so yeah, so this, this actually says it's the epic e- or epilogue to the Archive of War. So this is actually going to be a follow-up to the current story arc, which we'll be talking about later right. today in the uh, current issue. So so it's just going to be relevant to what we've been reading, which is, is always nice. Uh, so obviously that's out in the, the last Wednesday, or Tuesday rather, of the month. Uh, yeah. Then we have Green Lantern 2021 Annual, which is by Ryan Cady and Sam Bajri. And this is actually going to focus on Jessica Cruz, which delights me. Uh, I don't like what she's wearing. Nor do I. But to be fair, it does say in the, the solicit text mm-hmm. that she she's sort of given the offer. So it may not be she's... Uh, wearing yeah. the yellow core outfit in the cover because she's definitely going to be taking that side. It's more just, we're broaching that subject, so the cover's yeah. going to go well with I, it. Yeah, and, th- and that's fine, but yeah. it just, this is how much I care about that character, is, no, 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 you overcame fear. You don't need to instill fear. Yes. You, yes. You, yeah. Uh, uh, man. But there's been a lack of Jessica Cruz focus. I am mm-hmm. happy that we're getting an annual, at least to, to focus What's on her? her for a bit of time. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know why, I have no opinion on Ryan Cady as a writer, so... We'll, we'll find out. We'll see. As long as uh, they can handle Jessica, we'll, we'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then we have Harley Quinn, 2021 annual. Uh, Stephanie Phillips, again, so it's the ongoing writer. Uh, David Lafayette on the art. So. There you go. Yeah. No. I just, I just scrolled down and saw the Suicide Squad annual, and it makes me so mad. <laughs> okay, well, in that case, Suicide Squad, 2021 annual. Robbie Thompson and Dexter Soy. And that does look a couple of super boys <laughs> on the on the cover. <sighs> Should I go and read this? No. No? Mm. Everyone questions how the teen I... calling himself Connor Kent came to be recruited into the Suicide Squad by Amanda Waller. But as Superboy sneaks into the bowels of a top secret task force X Black site, what he finds changes all he thinks he knows about himself and his history. And the cover, for anyone who's not seeing this, has sort of current Connor Kent, which is kind of more the, the original Connor Kent Superboy yeah. with the lead jacket yeah. and all that, but also the 2000s uh, t-shirt Connor Kent. Yep. So my Connor Kent. So it looks like yeah. it looks like he's going to find another clone of himself, seemingly, or something to that effect. 
hope not. <laughs> so that's that. Uh, and then we have the <coughs> Midnighter 2021 annual. And obviously, I'm not going to read this. I'm not interested because I've, I've not been reading the, the backup. But, yeah. but I will say, I do appreciate that one of the backup stories can have an annual. I, I kind of like that mm-hmm. idea. That's, a, that's yeah. kind of a neat idea. So I like the concept of it, even if I have no interest in the, the book itself. And it, and it says it also leads into Superman and the Authority. So, you know. Oh, there you go. It'll be a bridge. So... Uh, and then there's a bunch of Suicide Squad trades uh, because the movie's coming out and they're promoting yeah. some anthology-style collections. Yeah, uh, they're they're also promoting some trades that are already out. This is the first time I think I've seen this where they've got, like, you know, just volume ones of recent Suicide Squad runs, which are already out, and it just says yeah. available now. So they're just trying to promote in the solicits. <laughs> Here's some Suicide Squad books you can buy. Yeah. So uh, and, and if you are listening to us, you already know how much we love Tom Taylor mm-hmm. and Bruno Hernandez Suicide Squad. So if you haven't bought it, go. Yeah, and the only asterisk I'd put on that is that it's not really a Suicide Squad story in the traditional sense. It's, it's no. very much its own thing, so just mm-hmm. keep that in mind. Uh, some graphic novels coming out, Batman and Robin and Howard, some of these young adult yeah. stuff. This is Jeffrey Brown, uh, both story and art. Uh, then Amethyst, Princess of Gemworld. This is Shannon Hale and Dean Hale along with Isaiah Fulmore uh, on the art. Uh, and then another edition of the Howard book. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, this is a free comic book day special edition flip book so this is like a, a tease yeah. for both those books so that's nice uh, and then we have Teen Titans Beast Boy Loves Raven free comic book day special edition yeah. this uh, is the uh, Cami Garcia and Gabriel Piccolo mm-hmm. combo so they did Raven then they did Beast Boy now they're doing this and so that, so that, I just love Piccolo's art yeah it's so that, so this is obviously like a, almost like a a tease for the full book mm-hmm. I guess uh, to yeah. be tempted Says it features a chapter from the upcoming graphic novel. Yeah. So, so think of it as a trailer, I guess. Uh, if you yeah. Want. Uh, but then we have some maybe more of the more relevant stuff to us that we'll be covering when they come out, which is Batman Free Comic Book Day Special Edition, which has stories by both James Tynion and John Ridley. So again, this is uh-huh. going to be setting up both the main Batman book, but also the uh, the Jace yep. book, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is a uh, thirty-two page. So yeah, I mean, it, honestly, for a free. I mean, it's actually 25 cents, but for close to free, a full-size book with two stories in it, yeah. that's not bad. I can't complain about that. Uh, Suicide Squad Free Comic Book Day Special Edition by Tim Seeley and Brian Azzarello writing with Scott Collins oh. and Alex Maleev on the art, uh, featuring a King Shark-focused story. I'm, I'm here for this. Yeah, as much as I have no interest in the ongoing Suicide Squad oh. book, I mean, yeah. th- those are some names to throw at me there. I mean... Yeah, and and it looks like that image that we all saw of, of King Shark tearing some dude in half mm-hmm. in the trailer. So, yeah. Um, Sensational Suicide Squad Get Joker series by Azarello and Malieve. So, it's going to tie more into that than the current run. So, I mean, Azarello and Malieve, a book by them is an interesting prospect. So, yeah. I'm kind of into checking out just for that. It's not like it's going to... I mean, again, it'll cost yeah. 25 cents. <laughs> but, right, right. you know... Uh, Let's face it, if all comics cost 25 cents, we would not be talking about the cost of them. <laughs> We'd be just, they would just be taken nope. for granted, we'd get everything and read some of it. <laughs> uh, so then, we're finally on to kind of the main solicit bulk, uh, mm-hmm. which is more alphabetic from this point on, I think. Uh, so Action Comics 1034, uh, with that slightly new and updated Action Comics logo, pretty slick. Uh, mm-hmm. So that is a neat, um, continuing Johnson's run. Uh, then we have Batman 111, uh, by Tiny and Jimenez. So this is the last 
issue before the the fear state story properly kicks in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so also neat. Uh, still Jimenez on the art. Uh, Batman Reptilian issue three. This is the black label book by Liam Sharp and Garth Ennis, which we're looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like that cover. Actually, the the Joker cover is very it's, uh, horror. It's yeah, I'm into it. Uh, and then Batman The Adventures continues, season two, issue three, so continuing the uh, animated continuation stories. That, that cover is beautiful. You got the Batgirl on the Batgirl, bike. Huntress. Yeah, Huntress up on the top, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Batman Urban Legends, issue six, of course. Um, so this is interesting, actually, because uh, one of the stories at least should have uh, finished here. So, yeah, I think the Grifter one will finish. So let's just have a quick look at Grifter, this. Grifter, yeah, because we got a Red Hood, we have a Tim Drake, we have a Black Canary, and we have a Zealot. Which right, so looks like uh, yeah. we're doing more uh, Wildstorm stuff here. So it looks like Gotham has become ground zero for <laughs> Wildstorm. Wildstorm's infiltration well, of the DC Universe, which makes sense. Or at know? least just that last slot, because it was Grifter before, yeah. and now it's shifted to, to Zealot. Well... That's okay. And you have the Halo Corporation, which are my limited knowledge of Wildcats. That's, you know, one of the big pieces that goes in there, mm. you know. So, um, but yeah, why not? And it doesn't hurt anything else. It's not like they're infusing, you know, Grifter into Metropolis. So, they can have their little corner of Gotham. Yeah, uh, so yeah. Um, there you go. Arbor Legends, which has been, obviously has been really solid, so. Uh, Batman Catwoman issue 7, uh, not much mm-hmm. to say, it's back after that one month break, although, uh, yep. obviously there's going to be a sad tinge to it, because they, you know, Jean-Paul Leon passed away, but, uh, yeah. as far as we know, it's still his art in that one shot, uh, that's mm-hmm. coming between 6 and 7, but yeah, issue seven's yeah. back, back on schedule. The bridge issue. Yeah. Uh, Batman Superman 21, I'm curious to see what that book's going to be doing, uh, after the archive, um, yeah. if I, this is the final oh. issue of that, actually. So, we're getting the Is final that? chapter of that story and then the epilogue in the annual uh, a week oh. later. So, those are going to be back-to-back. So. Yeah? Neat. Uh-huh. Uh, Blue and Gold issue 2. Uh, that's obviously pumped yeah, over buddy. there. Yeah, 2 mm-hmm. of 8. Uh, that's a pretty, pretty cover, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you got Booster on the cover. Is that a tablet or a comic book cover? Whatever it is, but... It, yeah. I mean, obviously, as a comic cover, but I mean, like on the cover, there's a kind of magazine yeah, cover or something. <laughs> yeah, with Ted, and yeah, that's yeah, a soot cover. Yeah, it's a soot cover. Yeah, uh, Catwoman issue thirty four, uh, continuing on. I mean, nothing to say except that it's been freaking excellent. So you know, keep rolling with it. Uh, yeah. Challenge of the Super Sons issue five uh, is out. So cool. Checkmate issue three. Uh, obviously, very intrigued by that. Again, issue three is always that weird number when the solicits because we haven't got the book yet. You know, we're we're, right, yep. we're close to issue one, but we haven't quite had it yet. Uh, Crime Syndicate issue six is out in August. Uh, Crushing Lobo issue three. Then we have DC Co- DC Horror presents The Conjuring: The Lover issue three. That's about to start as well. Uh, in fact, next yep. week I think that starts. Uh, I think yeah, that's when the movie comes out because I got excited and thought it was coming out this weekend, mm-hmm. so I tried to make plans to see it sometime and. Uh, no, it comes out, and I think we're just gonna watch it at home on HBO. Yeah, which will be a first. It's on Max, so, so you know. Yeah, um, but I mean, scary movies in the theater are always more fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be checking out the first issue next week. I want to see what it's like. I want to, yeah, uh, of course. See, uh, what I mean, us, you're a much bigger horror guy than I am, but I feel like now I can say I'm a horror fan. That I kind of feel like I have to, <laughs> like 
as a fan of the Conjuring universe. Not not that all the movies are good, but I but do I, love the. I would say the majority I, aren't good at this point. But they're they're some of them like the Annabelle. Like Annabelle comes home, not traditionally a good movie, but it was fun. Just the whole concept of that. That was know. Annabelle comes home was by far the best spinoff movie, but every other spinoff yes. movie was bad. Yes, the nun's not terrible, but it's, not it's good. terrible. It's, that was not terrible. It's James terrible. James incepted me by telling me it was a superhero movie, uh, and as I was watching it, I went, "Oh damn, he's right." It does take us some bizarre twists uh, as yes. it goes on, uh, which I did well, not expect. But no, and it, and it really goes out of its way to jumble the story to make it fit into continuity mm-hmm. so you know but however i'm here for that in comic books because if it's just a comic book you know mm-hmm. yeah, it's fine uh then we have detective comics 1041 and 42 so you know mm-hmm. uh, starting i think next month detective wonder woman and justice league are double shipping and that seems to still be the case in august so uh you know uh, i'm not reading wonder woman but i mean I'm happy enough for the altar to be double shipping. <laughs> so, uh, it's worth mentioning that we do have an artist change on issue 1042, but I'm not going to be mad to see Bogdanovich uh, there. Nope. As much as I love Mora, like, if we're going to have to swap out artists, then Bog- nope. Bogdanovich is not a bad name to be swap- swapping with. No. Uh, so, that is cool. Uh, also, backup story by Matthew Rosenberg, because obviously right now Mora's, or sorry, Tamaki's doing the backup herself, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. we're switching to a, a Rosenberg story. And and here it looks like it's Jason Todd. So you know we like we like Zdarsky or Zdarsky. We like Rosenberg mm-hmm. enough that maybe he can do Jason Todd. Well, he's been yeah. making Grifter entertaining. So I mean, yeah, why not? Exactly. Uh, Future State well, Gotham. Uh, sure, sorry. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I was say they're looking for the missing body of Bane, which is something I never thought I would say. Oh yeah, but yeah, it's neat. It's fantastic. Uh, well, actually, some the some of Joker's play into that because uh, there's like a people in Santa Prisca all wearing Bane masks who want to hunt down Joker because they're blaming him for the death of Bane. So, oh God, now I'm gonna have to get caught up, but now I have to justify the extra dollar. So <laughs> give me time because I do love Bane. Like yeah. Bane has always well, been one of these characters don't, don't, that I do like. Don't, so. don't get too caught up because I have to. I'm a month behind, and I have to keep a month behind. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. Uh, just. You come we'll to where I am, then we can out. talk about it. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yes. Take this cover. Pardon me. Future State got the mystery four. Which, um, is this still black and white? Isn't see. I would hope not with that cover. That yeah. cover, you got some, you know, cyberpunk. Yeah, it's super colorful. Neon. That cover. Oh man. Oh, it's got punchline. Uh, get out of here. I don't hate Punchline. <laughs> yeah. Well, did, did well we even, I'll, I'll have to thumb through this. Did we even get Future State, like, a Punchline version in Future State? I don't think we did. No. I don't remember a Punchline no. in Future State. People can correct in the comments if I'm, if I'm wrong, because it, it does happen. Uh, Green Lantern issue 5 coming out. Um, I, I, I'm looking forward to you being here for the next issue, because I was very into issue 2. Yep, uh, I remember you saying that. And, yeah. Uh, yep. So, uh, Harley Quinn issue six. Connor can look forward to that in his future. Oh man, uh, they have they have Rosmo, dude. I know. Uh, Although it's Laura Braga on the main art now. Yeah. So I mean, all of that. Well, mm, I did not realize that. I was just looking at the cover. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the the. Uh, read me some Stephanie Phillips, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Right, I'm right. not overcommitting to anything. There's also a Suicide Squad variant as well. Uh, yeah. Keep clicking along. 
Uh, Icon and Rocket, Season 1, Issue 2. So we got uh, one of the Millstone books, which has already started. Um, so, cool. Um, which, I mean, I'm tentatively, tentatively planning on at least checking out the Issue 1s of those and seeing if they, if they mm-hmm. grab me. Uh, I, I don't really have any familiarity with most of the characters to have any like direct attachment, but I'm I'm hoping some of them do. Yeah. Um, Infinite Frontier issue four and five. Uh, though I mean those are double shipping as well, but that's you know it's an event yeah. style thing. Uh, you know I've said before that I think events should run quicker because if, if at the point where they're lasting like eight or nine months, they don't really feel like an event anymore. <laughs> they just feel like there's something that's lingering the whole year. Yeah. So. Uh, unless you're you're halting everything so i felt like like when when they did infinite crisis back in what oh five oh six that there's all these minis that were spinning out of it like you had omac project and day of judgment and all of this stuff so it, it went in together uh and it only lasted seven months though you know like, yeah. from start to finish which isn't so. too bad but it's still there's a point where it starts to feel the status quo rather than an event and i think you know Doing weekly yeah, or double shipping fair. and getting it done in a few months just makes you feel like a bit more of a, a quick special thing rather than a whatever. So, uh, so actually four and five out in August, which means that it should be finishing then in September. So we'll look forward to that. Um, so that's cool. Uh, Justice League sixty six and sixty seven. Um, very cool color variants. Yeah, they're very color interesting. Colors. Yeah, the main covers here are like just simple color schemes, which uh, I suspect are going to play into the, the story mm-hmm. as we go in. Uh, but yeah, those variants are pretty nice too, actually. Those uh, painted yeah. looking ones. Who, who's who's the, the variant artist? Is uh, Alexander Lozano? Interesting. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah, I, uh, that's Batman doing like a tiger knee. And is this supposed to be Nubia? Or no, Hippolyta. So. Yeah, I like, I like the 67 one. That one looks nice. Oh, that's neat. Uh, Justice League Infinity issue 2. This is the GM Demetis and James Tucker uh, mm-hmm. mini that's coming out. Um, yeah. Which, I have to admit, my, my track record with Demetis, because it's not been that long since I read uh, uh, the, Emperor the Joker. Oh, okay. And Demetis' chapters in that were particularly bad. So I, I don't know if yeah. I'm super excited, but we'll see. Uh, Justice League Last Ride issue four is out in August, so that's cool. Legend of Dark Knight issue four, physical, it's out, cool. Uh, Mr. Miracle, the Social Freedom issue four. We'll be talking about issue one later today. So that cover is fantastic. Um, yeah, that's pretty. Actually, it's yeah, black and white, but it's except uh, Miracle himself. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's like he's in Throwback Metropolis. Yeah, like it looks everything's very Art Deco and old, black and white, and then him and. Uh, Oh, what's his name? The little guy from the New Gods. Um, I avoided say that because I couldn't remember. <laughs> yeah, him and him and uh, Shiloh Norman are are in full color. So yeah, uh, Nightwing eighty three. Uh, I mean, what's what is to say except you know DC's best book? Uh, <laughs> Redondo is killing it on these motion covers. Yeah, you know, I would say uh, some people may say g- gimmicky covers. I would say they're very conceptually. Yeah, interesting covers, <laughs> but yeah. uh, we have Robin issue five, which does feature oh. a lot of Bath Family uh, guest starring Stephanie Brown is uh, on there. Nightwing. I can't wait to talk about that book today. Yeah, we we get we get things going on in this cover. I'm, I'm Rumble of the Robins at the bottom of that. T- I like that title as well. Uh, yeah, damn, good Robin book. That's uh, something else. Uh, Rorschach eleven, 
so near on the end of that, come August. Yeah. Uh, Ruby Justice League issue 5, Scooby-Doo Where Are You 111, Sensational Wonder Woman issue 6, which is a collection of the digital uh, chapters, Shazam issue 2, the miniseries, which unfortunately, you know, is tying into uh, Teen Titans Academy and from, all that stuff. From the pages of Teen Titans Academy, means skip. Unfortunately, that is true. Unfortunately, that's true. Static Season 1, Issue 3, so this is the, this about the first one that comes with these Maelstone books. Uh, so, cool. Suicide Squad, Issue 6. Uh, there's a bit of unfortunate news with that that I'll get to in a couple of books' time. Uh, Suicide Squad, Get Joker, Issue 2. This is Azarello and Malib's book, which I guess already starts in July and I just yeah. forgot about it, because we, we were talking about it earlier in that free comic book day thing. I didn't even occur to me that we already knew about this. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, and it's got a Fornes black label or a cardstock cover. Ooh. Uh, which is actually a very nice cover. Both covers are very nice for this. Mm-hmm. Joe, this is one of these things where it's a black label prestige book. I'm into seeing what it's like. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I can't resist the Malieve uh, temptation. As, yeah, Azarello and Malieve, though, just alone. I know. Like, I don't care what that book is. I have to check out at least the first issue. Yeah. All right, well, I'm on it could, board. Be, it could be 48 pages just Joker, and I probably wouldn't complain because it's Malieve art. Here's the thing, you know, they started off kind of slow in April with the yeah. uh, Infinite Frontier books, but goddamn, the quality's been so consistent. I mean, obviously, there's a few things will drop, but the quality's so high right now in a across-the-board way that mm-hmm. I can't deny trying all these books. And obviously, Supergirl, one, one, uh, Women of Tomorrow, yeah. issue three is coming out. Cool. Superman the Authority issue 2, continuing the, the Grant Morrison uh, book, which, again, I kind of forgot was a thing until it was mentioned earlier. Um, so many books coming out. Oh, issue 3 is also solicited. When's that mm-hmm. coming out? Uh, so that's looking like a, a 817, and so it looks like it's double shipping. That's, that's interesting. 3 and 817. Yeah. That is a weird one to be double shipping. It's a Grant Morrison oh. miniseries. Well, and it's, it's only four issues, so maybe they're just yeah, plug it out. I guess it'll be over quickly. Yeah, I, I wonder if there's anything coming after it that they're they're building to, and that's why they're, yeah. they're getting it out quickly. Curious. Uh, Superman Red and Blue issue six. Uh, Superman that cover. Or Red and Blue. I need that cover by itself. Yeah. Oh sure, I, I can see why. Uh, Superman Son of Kal El issue two. So this is the ongoing Superman book now uh, by Tom Taylor. Might I add? Mm-hmm. Uh, so looking forward to that. Um, I do kind of love the, on the cover the the city under the Superman logo. Uh, yeah, element. It's kind of nice. It's nice. Uh, Teen Titans Academy issue six. Uh, not what you say for us on that one. The Batman Scooby Doo Mysteries issue five. I love that it exists. <laughs> I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Flash seven seven three, uh, which Cora did officially drop. Uh, did he last issue? Uh, I'm still I still had fun with the last. I had a lot of fun with uh, okay. Jay punching Hitler and you know. Uh, Ever else was happening. All right, I to, what issue was that? I need to get. I need to read that. Seven seven zero. Oh, I guess that would have been. You 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 punch Nazis. You have a friend in me. Oh, uh, I'm having fun. I, I'm, I'm having yeah. fun with Wally jumping around the speechless different time frame and you know, where he jumped to at the end of the issue, which I won't spoil. Uh, mm-hmm. was also a fun place for me to jump. So. Damn it! All right, I'll take it. Cut back up. I mean, it's rough around the edges. It's not a perfect book by any means, but I, no, I think but... Wally's voice, I think, is getting stronger. You know, as the as the book goes, so we'll see. Anyway, uh, Joker issue six is out in mm-hmm. August. Uh, nice house in the lake issue three. So looking for issue one of that's next week. I am very much looking forward. Oh, is it? 
I think it's next week. Yeah. Oh shoot! I have to make sure I have. Oh wait, it. no, no, I'm uh, I'm probably mixing up with the Conjuring, but it's next month. It's yeah, def- okay. it's next it's this next okay. month. I'll uh, have to make sure I have it on my list because uh, it's tying in. And yeah, I'll have it. Uh, looks fantastic. <clears throat> uh, Swamp Thing issue six is out now. There is a little bit of negative news here, is that it's kind of crossing over with Suicide Squad. Uh, stupid Suicide Squad can't keep its mitts off. Of- here's here's the thing. If you want to use Suicide Squad as a plot device to come in and rein in your big hulking plant monster, sure, sure, cool. But don't make me read an issue of Suicide Squad to do that. Oh, I'm not doing it. I, I, I'm. I'll read yeah, Swamp okay. Thing, and hopefully it works yes. on its own. And if it doesn't, then I'll just complain that Suicide so, yeah, Squad ruined my book. I don't think going to be a crossover because the way that Ram V's talked about this is that it was a season one, and I don't think that if you're doing a season one, having a crossover helps. So hey, him just having the Suicide Squad in here. I read I the article on Newsarama was Suicide Squad and Swamp Thing are crossing over in August and yeah. said it starts in Suicide Squad, blah blah blah. Um I'm hoping they're over they're overstating that it and it's just, you know, Suicide Squad show up. It's it's amazing how many books recently I feel like, oh why are Suicide Squad showing up? They keep showing up to interfere in books. Uh, Truth and- well, it's as if they have a movie coming out in August. Uh true. Truth and Justice issue seven is out. Uh, Wonder Girl issue four, which is obviously after issue one, very there's excited for her, more of that. There's her her winged steed, but I can't remember his name. I can't remember the name either. <laughs> but he was great. It was some sort of simple name as well. Uh, yeah. but cool stuff. Wonder Woman seven 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 and seven seven eight are coming out, and then we have Wonder Woman Black and Gold issue three. Uh, and that seems to wrap up the issues. We got collections after that. Uh, you know, basket full of heads, getting a paperback. Yep. Uh, I assume it's already had a hardcover by this point. Um, Curse of the White Knight. I'll have to send my brother because mm-hmm. I bought him the first one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, but some reprints, some you know, obviously just yeah. new volumes of things that are ongoing. Uh, Batwoman Omni. See, that's eight hundred and eighty-eight pages. Mm-hmm. You drop that, you're breaking your foot. Yeah, that's kind of a weird uh, collection, actually, because it's yeah. it's the ruckus stuff and then the New 52 stuff, but not the Rebirth stuff. Mm-mm. It's almost like they want to ignore the Rebirth stuff, which I kind of enjoyed, at least for the most part. I like the Rebirth stuff more than the New 52 stuff that I read. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Ruckus you know, issues on Detective are by far the best, and yeah, you know, there's no question of that. And they already did a deluxe of just that, and I, I'd recommend that honestly over the Omnibus. You know. Yeah, so it looks like all of the Hill House books are coming out in October uh, for in trades, which is that good because I'm gonna have to buy Plunge, Dollhouse Family, and Basketball Heads. Yeah, uh, just to have on the shelf because those three I really loved. Yeah, and we have Birds of Prey Fighters by Trade, which is funny because it's, you know, trade paperback. But yeah. uh, this is actually the second big, thick volume in Gail Simone's mm-hmm. run of her time on the book. So, yeah, I like these. I might have to go pick up the first because I haven't read Birds of Prey. So mm. I might have to go and start this. That's how I read Checkmate, too. So. I mean, I'd recommend go back to reading Dixon's run uh, as well, yeah. which yeah, is the start yeah. of it. And it's just good. Like, right. Yeah, it's uh, super enjoyable. Um, especially since in the, a, in the early days it's just Oracle and Canary, but that's right. all it is at the start. Right. They're the two, uh, and this is a cover by Adriana Mello, who, you know, way we all mm-hmm. enjoy. Oh, for sure. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, more reprints. Uh, you know, trades of stuff that already got hard covers. Um, 
the next Superman Man of Steel hardcover, which they're, you know, doing again, uh, in these bigger not quite omnibuses. I, I think there's I think because of the amount of they have to do, they're doing five hundred page hardcovers, so they're they're obviously at least twice as thick as the old paperbacks, but Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's but I like these slip these slip cases too that they're mm-hmm. doing. The is, box uh, sets, is that what you're talking about? No, 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 it's just Superman the Man of Steel Volume 4, but it's, oh, um... Okay. That may be the last one, because it was nine trades, if I remember right. So this gotcha. might actually be the last hardcover. They may have split it into four. Right. Uh, gotcha. That makes sense. Uh, I, just, I looked ahead, and they're doing these cool box sets of, you oh, know, sure, trades yeah. that go together. You know, they have the Swamp Thing one, which is all Alan Moore, then they have the Hill House. So if you want all the Hill House and trade paperback, you can get them all for 100 bucks. So... That's not, cool. especially since, you know, I mean, not to throw comic shops under the bus here, but, you know, right. Amazon might have that for, like, 70, <laughs> you know. Maybe, you know, yeah. but, yeah. yeah that's oh, not bad. Cool. That's not bad. Uh, all right, there you go. That's uh, August Solicits. We made it through and One Piece. Which, and to be fair, even with the tangents, we actually ended around the same time we normally do when we finish Solicits, so I'm okay with yeah. that. We, we evened out in the end. All right, let's have the comics though. Detective Comics one thousand thirty six, Mariko Tamaki writing with Dan Mora on the art, and obviously I had the big cliffhanger last. You know, I'm going to give Detective credit here because mm-hmm. sometimes it takes me a couple of pages to remember what happened in the last issues because you know, month between issues, it's just the way I am with comic books. Yeah, but credit where credit's due, I remembered quite vividly how the last one ended because it was so. Kind of like, whoa, out of nowhere, the, the dead woman seems to be back, you know, to life. And mm-hmm. I think I actually liked the, the sort of the, the double swerve back on the start of this issue when it turned out to be a clay person, <laughs> Lady Clayface specifically, as mm-hmm. we go on throughout the issue. But I kind of liked that swerve. So, no, no, we're not dealing with people coming back to life. She is dead. She is still genuinely dead. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think I kind of like that swerve. So, um, and plus Huntress comes into the main story as well. Uh, I, I like this and, you know, the fact that Tamaki is telling the Huntress story and then it leads to her showing up here. Yeah. And then we get more background on, on the story in the backup. I do like how that weaves together. That's nice. Uh, it's nice, especially since, you know, because in the backup you were thinking, oh, it's just this asshole, you know, boyfriend mm-hmm. who's murdered his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. But it turns out not to be the case. Which I almost like because if I had any complaints about the backup last time, which was very good otherwise, is that maybe it was a bit on the nose that, you know, he immediately killed her, like, right after the setup. It was maybe a bit quick in that right. sense. So it turned mm-hmm. out not to actually be the boyfriend and it's actually tied to the, the thing well, going on in Greater Gotham. Yeah, it's tied to the end, and she's still, you know, that dude's still a dirtbag. Oh, he's right? still awful, like, yeah. Yeah, you know, but. Huntress has to be like, oh, I can't punish him just for being a, can't punish him for not murdering her, but just being a, you know, an all-around douche. So, uh, I, I did like that show. Well, we'll get there. So, yeah. Um, so, I dig that uh, Lydia, the neighbor, like, sort of sees the, the zombie-looking, uh, yeah. you know, Sarah, and Bruce quickly gets her into the apartment, and she calls the police on him because she thinks yeah. that something fishy is going on. Um. But very quickly, you know, as soon as they're in the apartment, like he's he's got her, in, uh, you know, in his hands, and she starts melting into clay, and it's like, wait, Clayface? Yeah. No, we've not seen Clayface in ages, uh, not since the you know the Gotham Knights uh, disbanded. Yeah. Um, and you know, so uh, all this was just fun stuff, and hiding, you know, 
he assumes it's Lady Clayface right now. It's confirmed right. later on. Uh, but um, I love his ex- the the screaming. He excuses the police that he was watching a horror movie, mm-hmm. and he had it turned all the way up. I just always love that stupid. Like you, you hear that in movies all the time. It's like, oh no, there's there no screaming. I was just listening to TV real loud. I love that Batman's bold enough to try that. Oh, Bruce. Anyways, um, yeah. Well, yeah. With how loud I like my movies playing, yeah, some of the neighbors might yeah. think there's a. Yeah. Well, let me just tell you, my neighbors know how much I hate certain members of the Minnesota Wild. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we have um, penguin henchmen out looking around, and this this eventually ties into stuff because they, they they run into yeah. uh, who is it they're looking for exactly again? They're looking for someone who's went off book. Uh, but this yeah. guy like jumps out of the alley with a knife. He's very deranged. And we don't really get the the context yet, but it's all building to, like, what, what's really going on here, which is, yeah, so Neil's also an asshole, but as we find out throughout this issue, um, there's something infecting people and making them psychotic. This is not just yeah. him. He's not just a serial killer naturally. There's something else going on here. So being a good detective book and the, the idea that we keep adding layers to the mystery with each issue mm-hmm. is a really nice touch, I think. Uh, Huntress does shop on the rooftop with Batman. Uh, wants answers. Uh, I love that Lady Clayface just sort of like falls off the roof, like in in clay form, and they have yeah. to jump down and like like find her again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good stuff. Um, art's really fun here. Uh, Mora's going nuts with the. Mora does monsters. So I I read once in future he does monsters so well, mm. but then you also see how well he does just regular people and it's like that's a balance that you know as a comic artist it's good to have i think my favorite part yeah. of it is after they sort of fake lady clayface a little bit and it's Jewish radiant as well she mm-hmm. kind of forms a more human looking figure and yeah i mean it's, I think it's actually still sarah again but she looks yeah. up at them and there's kind of this sadness and she's basically she's been kind of messed up because she was in arkham when the ad attack happened and the gas has done something to her or you know physically but she can't quite control herself anymore and but well, you know obviously the question is why why is she appearing as sarah this murder victim and batman mm-hmm. immediately assumes i think she saw i think she saw something yep. and she's not been able to turn into anything else since then because of the trauma of what she saw um mm-hmm. so when yeah that, that panel when she's looking up at them in the rain i think is really effective as yeah. so you get this idea yeah. of like she she's witnessed something really awful um, yeah, it, it's that part in the, in like in a detective or, or a hard-boiled cop thing where they find the one witness, but the witness is super violent because they're the, whatever they saw has broken their brain, so they just start attacking. When they finally get them calmed down, they're like a huddled animal in the corner, you know, and they're just that, and that that's what this is like, the way that Batman's looking down at Lady Clayface, you know, she's a wounded animal almost. Um. And, and yeah, and then she tells him that she just heard, you know, she, whatever she saw, you know, she, she kept, uh, someone said Neil, but she says it like, uh, not like the name, but like the action, you know? Yeah. So. Oh, he makes going map. What, what yeah. I liked about that is obviously you can't really tell the difference when someone says Neil, the name versus Neil as in the, you know, to Neil. Right. Uh, but. But by having it spelt like that when she says it, and then having yeah. Huntress think that's what she meant, like I loved it. As soon as she said Neil with the K, I was kind of like, oh no, no, she was saying the name Neil. 
I, I, I like that it let us kind of like get the the mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. th- you know. Well, and that that's a thing that you can do in in movies, but you have to do different in comics, right? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. here because we're we're having to have the you know whatever we're readings in our head versus being projected. Uh, yeah, they have to play around, but no, um, no, this is a mission. I have zero idea what's going on, and and I like it. You know, but yeah. besides the fact, there's it seems like there's some kind of fungus that's making people nuts. Yeah, they've got stuff in their yeah, they've got stuff in their eyes, basically. You know, so we're it's kind of like a a a bizarre almost like the crazies or you know, like it's a zombie infection, Mm -hmm. but not zombies per se, more Uh, and I like that Tamaki's playing with that because the way that the last issue ended, it looked like it was zombies, right? Mm -hmm. Like you know, she's really playing with these kind of horror tropes in a detective story. That's true, I never thought about it that way. You're right. She kind of teased traditional zombies at the end of last Mm -hmm. issue, and it turns out that wasn't a zombie. But now we're dealing with something that's akin to a zombie. <laughs> right, right. It's the 28 days later, you know, rage virus. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, Sarah's father, the crime boss, is still, you know, mm-hmm. buying tables at the mayor's office and stuff. <laughs> it's, I, I love how big he's drawn. He's so hulking yes. and, and whatever, but... He's, he's kingpin. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. The, the way that... So what I love, too, is the how it's formatted in the beginning. It's the story written by the, the journalist that lives... In their neighborhood, the, the one who hates the one who hates Bruce Wayne, yeah, yeah, and and you read like the the backstory that happened at the funeral that like Nakano spoke and no one kind of was listening that it all seemed like formalities, but when he talked, you know, everyone had the respect because you know, yes, he's a, a you know a businessman for construction in Gotham, which has made him very rich because when you think about what happens in Gotham. But he also has ties to the underworld, which makes him scary. And I was like, "Oh, this is just Kingpin, right?" Like, I think I also like the flair of Gotham about that. It's obviously Bendis has just been doing recap pages, but I kind of like that that newspaper article actually functioned as a recap page as well. Yeah, because it told you the story of like, oh, so and so got murdered. This is when it happened. Their father's Mm -hmm. a crime boss. Like, it it really reminded you of a lot of a lot of the key details. And yeah, one of the things that we've been saying over the last month last two months three months even is how connected and how it feels like they're building a supporting cast in these books which is yep. something that was missing for so long and i love that yeah we have just this one quick scene with the father just to reestablish and just keep that in our in our minds in our thoughts and keep all these threads ongoing and then you know we, we go to penguin uh and they've, they've grabbed the guy who was crazy and try to kill them um, okay. And this is, you know, where we get a close up of the eyes. Just again, yeah. so this is building up the reasons why Neil might have done what he did. Uh, and then we get to this great transition, actually. Um, so they find Neil on a rooftop because obviously once Batman figures out it's the name Neil, he he doesn't take a long time to put together no, find him. who lives in the street, who's named Neil. Uh, and they find him on a rooftop. It's again, it's in the rain, just for the atmosphere, the lightning in the background. Neil's hands are covered in blood. His eyes have got all the the red squigglies, just like the other guy mm-hmm. did. And he lies there and basically dies uh, in mm-hmm. front of them. Uh, and, you know, they sort of, you know, we should probably keep our distance until we know what's going on. But, you know, Batman looks down and the rain says, you know, he's got blood in his hands, mm-hmm. but it's not his. And that leads into the transition of the journalist, you know, going down the street and finding Lydia, uh, who obviously yeah. there was a tease earlier on where Neil sort of like walked up to her. So right. this is a payoff as well, but the transition yeah. of Batman saying that's not you know his blood, yeah, 
So then one... also, it also anytime something like that happens, it reminds me of John's Justice uh, League of America with Hawkman, mm. where they go, "You're," he's like, "You're covered in blood. It's not my blood." <laughs> Just you know, one of those for humor. This though, him being covered in blood that's not his makes it even more ghastly. Oh yeah, that's just more ominous. And a yeah. little detail here: the first panel of this last page is if you look at the gutter in the street, mm-hmm. you can see there's red in it. There's there's blood flowing yeah. down the drains. Uh, yeah. Really nice touch. Uh, yeah. So, no. Um, and again, it's just again, it's this. Finally, some of the horrific side of Gotham is invading the the wealthy elite neighborhood kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. it's you know the blood's flowing in the streets literally. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, really strong stuff. Uh, the art throughout is really good. It's building the characters. It's building the mystery. Huntress investigating this because of the death of you know the 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 friend, which you know takes us into the backup quite nicely. But I guess before we do that, uh, what are you rating the? Uh, I'm giving this eight point five. Um, just so you know, we talked about like with the horror elements, with mixed with the detective elements, and then the fact that Moore is able to to draw both and keep the action moving. Like, you know, it is living up to the same Detective Comics. Like each piece is coming up, and it's Tamaki and Moira working hand in hand. Yeah, I, I don't know if they specified why Lady Clayface like sort of was drawn to where she was at the end of the last issue. Well, but... remember she she was escaping Arkham. She was doing time in Arkham, and then the explosion happened. No, no, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, not not like why she was in the sewers, but I mean, why was she drawn specifically? Like, was she looking for Bruce because she knew that she had information for Batman that mm. would be important? Was she drawn to where Sarah lived because it's the same street? Yeah, uh, I don't know if they specified, but either way, I, I think that's interesting. Yeah, let, let, let's see. I don't, I don't think they cl- maybe clarified that point or if they no, did. No, like... maybe not. <clears throat> I am. But yeah, um, we, we can go. I'm, I'm just re-skimming this. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I, I will also give an 8.5. I think it's very, very good stuff. Uh, so the backup is just continuing the Huntress uh, story where she is basically is convinced it's the boyfriend, the ex-boyfriend, mm-hmm. uh, who, who killed uh, Mary and she tracks him down uh, talks about how it's easy to find him in social media how he's using her credit card still yeah. uh, all the rest of it what she does actually get him cut you know at the end it's, it, it tacks on that she's making sure oracles like making sure he's arrested for uh, fraud and, and whatever but uh, yeah so she basically scares the shit out of him but he's got an alibi he was on a plane uh, is, is, the, is the gist of it so mm-hmm. yeah, I mean that's basically the story in the nutshell. Um, you know, art's not I, bad, but it does still have that head thing that I don't like. Yeah, about. it's a Clayton Henry, although it's it's toned down here because the angles. I feel like like he he's the type that when it's drawn uh, straight on, you really notice it. But yeah. here from the different angles, it's fine. But I do love that he draws a gun on Huntress, and she's just kind of like, "What are you doing?" Like, I just love that Tamaki has her vibe down because mm-hmm. for. For a long time, like with Huntress, she's kind of like she doesn't really have a, like she has a character, but it's kind of all over the place, and it's just the the different writers having different handles on her. So I like that here, you know, Tamaki has the you know this version that I prefer of her that she's no nonsense, like even more no nonsense than Batman, right? Like, and it just makes her stand out from the from the rest of the Bat family. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah, it's fine. It's, I don't have a super amount to say on it. It's fairly straightforward in what it does, mm-hmm. but uh, um, and if anything, maybe it's hurt a little bit because you know from her involvement in the main story yeah. that it's not going to be the boyfriend. That the boyfriend's right. at that end. So right. maybe that hurts it a touch in terms of just like the progression of the story. See, but so when I when I started, I was like, okay, well, what did she find that led her to go to Batman? Since we know it's not the boyfriend. Mm. That that's that's where I was at with it. You know. So. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I like that she's looking after the car at the end. Mm-hmm. That's that's cute. Yeah, of, yeah. of course you are. Adorables. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. I, I say is there's three cats on my bed snoozing. Uh, and uh, I, I have one. I opened my window because it's kind of nice here today. You know, it's only 90 degrees, but it's <laughs> nice and cloudy. But I have the window open and she's sunbathing over here. So Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Uh, what are you giving the backup? Uh, I'm going to give a backup a 7.5. Like it's, it's decent. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just a straight seven for me. It's good. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, nothing particularly exciting. I, I mean, I like this. It exists. I like that it's you know giving us some more insight into Huntress and mm-hmm. and whatever. Um, but it feels kind of like a just a obligatory next part versus the first part, which was you know because the the first part was all the stuff of her making the friend. There was a lot more of a mm-hmm. an emotional story there, and because we know the end result from the main story, this this one just felt a bit more like. Uh, Okay, it's natural follow-up, but there's nothing particularly exciting or yeah. super uh, surprising about it. So, uh, there you go. That's Detective Comics. Action Comics, 1031. Philip K. Johnson writing with Daniel Sampier on the art. Uh, so, if you remember last issue, the Kryptonian... Because we, we, me and Matt, this is so funny. Me and Matt spent ages talking about why this ship was there, uh, you know... Was it them taking, you know, was, was it prisoners taking over the ship and just they just happened to be next to Earth, whatever. This issue, of course, went out of its way to kind of explain this. Uh, and it was kind of a double step thing because the one mm-hmm. on the one hand, yes, there was kind of a, an uprising on the ship. Although the prisoners seem to like their chains a lot and don't want their chains to be taken away. Which... Those ones, right? The the war zones. Mm-hmm. But that's not who the Kryptonians that were breaking out were. So it seemed like there. Well, there's some. We'll get to that towards the end. There's something strange afoot going on with the with who we think are the Kryptonian refugees. Okay, um, but the, the Kryptonian, the woman with the Kryptonian who spoke Kryptonian last issue, definitely still wants to change right. this issue. So that, that that was still a thing in this issue. Let me see. Uh, let, so let me see. We'll get to it. But the other part I was going to make yeah. is that later on we do actually have a confirmation that while they might have staged something like that, Mongols' mm-hmm. intention was to have the, all this go to Earth, that this was all a ploy to lure mm-hmm. Superman into something. So there is a trap element to this uh, to set things in motion. So Mongol is intentionally doing this, uh, but it's a bit more of a ruse than perhaps. So I got so wrapped up in reading the story and mm-hmm. not looking at the art. I did not realize she put her chains back on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, dude. Okay, now this adds a whole different meaning now. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, how glorious is that first page with the blinding light behind Superman and him floating there? The the whole art in this book, I just feel like Sam Pierre's at a different level here. Yeah. Um, but yes, that is fantastic because that's see if you want to do <clears throat> messianic imagery, this is how you do it. Superman's in a very I'm here to help posture, not a worship me posture. <laughs> it can be done. Yeah, you just know? shout out to an article this week, which was, uh, I think it was IGN oh, no. put out, uh, 
all of the projects that Warner Brothers wouldn't let Zack Snyder make, and it was a list of like eight different things. And all I could think after I read the eight of them was like, "Thank you, Warner. Yeah, <laughs> You've made a lot guess, of mistakes, but thank you I in guess, this case." <laughs> I, I used to give that man the benefit of the doubt for a lot of stuff, right? Tragedy, and he's just not my kind of storyteller. However, his actions right now are making him seem like an ultimate douche. Mm-hmm. That is like, give me what I want, or I'm going to sick my army after you. And I don't like that. Like that's that's not how you get stuff done. Uh, and like I I was gonna watch his new movie on Netflix. Then I saw the runtime, and I go he, just not for me. Wait, how long is it? I don't. It's two hours and thirty two minutes. What? Yes. It's a zombie like, movie. I love Dave Bautista. I will watch him in most things. I did not watch this because the I'll tell you the creator and the runtime. So madness, absolute madness. All right, yeah. back back to uh, action yes. comics though. I just I had to throw it in the dig there because I thought it was funny. Yeah, no, you're you're fine. You're fine. Uh, so yeah, the first the first batch of uh, the issue, of course, is as the action of them saving the the prisoners on the ship. Uh, John trying to hold the ship together. Uh, we find out later the ship was basically like all different tech from different cultures, all just kind of yeah. you know stuck together. Uh, as a glorious full page spread of the ship crashing into the ocean. Oof, so good. Yeah, very very pretty stuff. Uh, as John and uh, Superman are flying away with the the survivors, I, I do like how John, who has seen you know worst parts of this galaxy, right, from his trip around with with Grandpa Jor El, um, he's not as trusting as Clark and Kara are in this, mm. and even in with with him talking to his dad, you know, after the save, he goes, "Are you okay? You seem kind of shaken up," and it's because of this other stuff, but. Just the fact that he's not as trusting as as those two. I do like that that split yeah. in the Super Family. That said, though, he's still a little bit too far. He's like, you know, he gets a mm-hmm. little, not aggressive, yeah. but enough that Karen and Lois are like, right. that's not like John. Yeah, yeah he's, acting, no. he's acting a little different, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're trying to figure things out. Uh, they mentioned that the Kryptonian language isn't like, you know, it wasn't like the present day Kryptonian language. It, it's an ancient yeah. language that no one uses anymore. Right. Or, Almost like uh, someone speaking Latin. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, like they're, you know, and especially what they're saying because it's, it's not, it is a prayer, but it's almost like a prayer to a, a scientist, not a deity. You know, so they're like, oh, it'd be like, you know, help me, Galileo, which it made me think of Queen, and I kind of had a chuckle, um, because, because the song. Anyways. Praise be, uh, Freddie Mercury. Exactly. Praise be. Um. And then Superman goes down into the water. Uh, the Atlanteans, so there's a little bit oh, of a Aquaman presence here, uh, where they have claimed the ship and the power source mm-hmm. in particular, the uh, the stone that's powering the whole thing, uh, that's this mysterious power source, is so powerful that the Atlanteans won't let Superman take it away for analysis because they want to keep it. And it's, it's mm-hmm. so, it could potentially power Atlantis for first you know ever <laughs> yeah because it, it's source energy so here we're getting back to like some you know no uh, the no justice aspect of the source wall but not in the same way like this isn't the totality kind of vibe but this this is like an old technology so i'm, I'm starting to wonder where this is headed with with johnson you know with the, the whole thing of mongol and how long this this war world empire has been around right yeah, and they have prisoners from the ship as well, of course. The uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, Mongols army or so whatever. So this big guy who looks like Goro, right? From, you know, two two armed Goro from uh, Mortal Kombat almost looks like a Mongol. Uh, you know, speaking a different language, um, and th that's where we find out that you know they don't want their chains off. Superman. Um, yeah, I like that too. Um, but yeah, Volko's like, I think the big one wants to fight you, uh, <laughs> which is just a. <laughs> Well, they'll be disappointed because I want to speak to him. And again, there's Superman acting like Superman, you know? Um, he's like, no, I'm not. I don't care how much he wants to fight me. We're not fighting. Uh, but he, he goes in there into the prison. It's just like it's such a weird warrior culture in here, right? Just like the, the art here. The way um, he sticks his tongue out and then headbutts Superman when Superman tries to take uh, his chains off. Uh, yeah. it, it, to the point where it's like he it, it, it leaves him with a big like hole mm -hmm. slash gash in his head, yeah. and he's just smiling like mm -hmm. a maniac, right? With this wound, it's so weird. It's it's this culture that breeds violence, and that's all they know, right? Yeah. And you know, and so that's what they he just busted his head open, headbutting Superman, and he's wearing it like a point of pride. Yeah. It's like what what is going on in War World? And then Lois Lane decides she wants to cosplay as Cyclops, mm -hmm. and is uh, <laughs> yeah they're they're in the library, uh, the Candor Library, and they're uh, looking through. This is where John acts a little bit out of character, and yeah. the kind of like question, like he thinks there's something fishy, about it. and he's kind of right because you know we get we get yeah. the you know the 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 woman who spoke the Kryptonian language and has the House of L symbol in her in her hand, burned on her hands. Yeah, like yeah. she realizes she doesn't have her chains on when she wakes up. She quickly grabs her chains. And then once we see that, um, oh, and she also smashes Kalex as well. Uh, that's a good yeah. point. But then we get a flashback to her being given this mission by Mongol, um, where you know it's not like she's like super loyalist and she's she's very subservient, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. But they they they're the ones who burn the Superman symbol into her hand, um, and she's told that she's going. She's got a great secret and purpose. Uh, you're going to wear this mark. You're going to go find Superman, and this will determine the fate of all your kind. So, I would suspect that she's not an, a villain character, but more that she is being forced to do this. Uh, yeah, out this of, is, you know, this is under duress, yeah. right? Like, she is, they're basically using her, uh, using the whoever her people are, right? Because John points out that if they were Kryptonian, they should have absorbed enough yellow energy, right? Like, yeah from the sun that it would alter them differently. So just so his point of just because they're speaking an old Kryptonian dialect doesn't mean they're Kryptonian because Kara and Clark are both getting caught up on the fact that there's more Kryptonians now because Clark's still a bit, you know, has a build of a guilt trip about Kandor from what Rogel's R did, you know, and he feels, you know, responsible for it, you know, and Kara and him being the last two Kryptonians, right? Like except he got Zod in them over on their planet. But, you know, the fact that that Mongol is sending her in with these brands almost to, like, infiltrate them, like, yeah, I don't I mean, know, because she it. brands her people, whoever her people are here, with the S on their chest, which is gnarly. Like, yeah, th this ending certainly implies that they're not Kryptonian at all, and it's all no. just a ruse to make Superman and others mm -hmm. question if they are. Uh, and John's maybe been oddly the most level-headed one, because Kara is spending her time looking to see if, mm -hmm. like, was there any other ships that left Krypton that didn't return? Right. Like, you know, was there anything else that you know mm -hmm. could have survived somehow? 
Um, and she's not finding anything. Uh, and uh, you know that this ending here, because you know this flashback is the ending. This kind of mm-hmm. reveal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it is intriguing. Obviously, a lot of this is building up to you know where we're going with with action comics and uh, and the war world stuff. Um, it's doing a really good job of making Mongo feel threatening, and the idea that this is going to work that. You know, John is right, but it's not just that he's right, that it's going to work and Mongol's going to get his way because mm-hmm. we know Superman in some capacity is going to go to War World. Yeah. And, and Superman, uh, or sorry, or John is going to be the acting Superman. You know, whether or not it plays out exactly like action or like Future State is another question, but regardless of that, we know that Superman will be John for some time because they're renaming the book mm-hmm. and we're getting the Tom Taylor book instead. So, although notably it's not adding to the numbers because they're, they are naming it a, a different title they're, they're making it its own thing but it is effectively the superman book for mm-hmm. foreseeable future so uh it's interesting uh you know i, I was into this uh I, the intrigue of what mongols up to uh the art of course we've mentioned is fantastic all the action yes. in that first half is really great uh, i love super, i love supergirl here. getting involved as well like mm-hmm. you know the idea that this of course involves her too like you know bring hey. her in and let's talk about who these kryptonians it's- are yeah, it's a family decision, right? Like, you know, they they do want everyone, and you know, more minds on this are better because even Lois is getting involved. Because I want to know what her theory is, right? We don't, we never get there because we get the the refugees' backstory, but um, yeah. but yeah. So, um, but I do like John kind of being wise to it because again, to me, he's seeing the darkness of the galaxy at this point, and you know, not just because he also went to the future. I don't you think know, that's not something what? that he knows. I'm going to theorize that, that it's actually more that it's just because he spent so much time with Damien, he's got a bit of cynical in him. <laughs> yeah, why not? Right? Like that—that that would work out. So, yeah, and it's, I not, just, and it's uh, not that he doesn't have the compassion or the heart that his father no, sort of but he's, like, <laughs> but he's learned some cynicism. So, yeah, yeah, well, which and again, if he learns cynicism from Damien, then Damien can learn how to have a fun time from John, mm-hmm. right? Like that—that should how it friends share things right like so yeah no that i that that's an equally valid explanation too but i you know it feels right coming from john even though kara and lois are like that seems very unjohn of him you know it's someone he's like i'm the only one thinking about this you guys are getting too caught up on stuff um but no it's it's very i just philip kennedy johnson on superman has been you know not that, not that I didn't enjoy Bendis. I had, a, I had a talk with my, uh, the owner of my shop this week about it, and you know Bendis was fine. Like he did some good stuff, but here this is the type of stuff I look for in Superman. Like even with with him talking with Atlantis and Atlantis being like, "Well, no, this is ours now." Superman's like, "What? Do you, no, what do you mean? Like, you know, oh, it's too important for it to get out." You know, he just kind of looks at Volko and Arthur and it's kind of like, "Well, can we do something about this?" You know, so I, I just like those, like those dynamics that we never really see. So, all right, uh, what are you rating action comics? Uh, I'm gonna give this an eight point five. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm in Clayton. Yeah. I think I'm also eight point five. I hate that we've both rated there both books eight point five, but yeah, um. Obviously, neither of us are reading the backup for this, which so we can no. we can move. Which on. now I feel knowing that it ties into Superman the Authority, but I think I'm just gonna let that ride, and because it's it's Morrison that's doing that, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm just gonna let it ride. I mean, I'll try that book when it hits, but like 
yeah mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not concerned with i, I just don't yeah. want to read the backup so it's it's cool robin issue two joshua williamson writing with gleb melnikov on the art mm -hmm. um so robin of course got his heart pulled out <laughs> last issue and so naturally this issue has to address that immediately uh, and the very first page is yep. we we the you know the panels get closer and closer as he's lying on a slab, but we see that his heart just kind of heals almost Wolverine style. Although, yeah, can I say I liked what I assume is intentional that on the the third panel here the blood splat like hole mm -hmm. almost looks like an R. It almost looks like a Robin yep. R. I thought that was yep. a, a neat little I like that thing. Uh, he wakes up screaming. Rose is like mocking him, and. Because he never actually listened to the rules, he now okay. finds out that Lazarus Island, at least during the daytime, because there's a rule that they can only fight during the daytime, yep. Lazarus Island, you cannot die. At least the first two times. <laughs> yeah. Three strikes are out. Uh, good rules. I like that this is this is Williamson setting the rules going forward. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the first, first issue was getting there. Now we're there. We have to learn. Well, um, and I like that it's Ravager that's telling him yeah ravager wants to know. build kind of an alliance because she's not really there to win yeah. the tournament she's there for her own agenda um now correct me here too i thought that even in the deathstroke book rose was missing an eye like her dad here she has them both i don't right? remember I, I, I don't remember her missing an eye huh huh Maybe that's just pre-Flashpoint. I'm, I'm conflating the two. Um, but Pardon. but I was noticing she, she's eyepatchless here. Uh, no, that's true. Um, she has eyepatchless. Here's, here's, here's the thing I like about this, this this death mechanic, right? Where you can die twice and you're fine, and the third death is, is a bigger deal. Is mm -hmm. that... On the one hand, okay, you can have your shock death of Damien at the end of issue one yeah. uh, for, for, for the big ending, and then you can sort of quickly deal with it next issue. But... I think what I like about it is the fact that once Damien learns this, right, he learns it here that, wait, so killing here is not really murdering anyone because they're coming back. That means I don't have to hold back. And he immediately goes on a rampage and kills, like, yeah. four other people, like, immediately. I, I love what it does here because it's not just using it for the shock, so you can have the shock ending of issue one. I mean, sure, yeah. they're having their cake and eating it because they get to do that uh -huh. too. But they're using it mechanically to show, oh, here's what Damien's like as a fighter. If he doesn't have to, like, you know, use Batman drills, if he doesn't have to avoid yeah. murder, uh, yeah. with, without there being any consequences of us saying, oh, but he's killing people. No, he's not really, because he knows they're coming back. No. Right. At least at least to a certain point. Because I, I feel like there's going to get to a point where it's someone someone's third strike. Sure, yeah, yeah. And he's going to hesitate, because he is Batman's son. You know? Yeah. Um, That's it, yeah. though. They're all, they're all allowed to leave after the second death, knowing that the third yeah. one's more permanent. <laughs> <laughs> they can... exactly so that's it uh, so it's you know the tournament doesn't start until everybody dies once which is a nice mechanic right so um and then during the tournament you can you know once you die that time you're out and you leave and so we find out that the prize also is uh immortality via the largest uh lazarus pit which we'll get to yeah, we which i think is a, a fun that's a fun uh prize but like what's who, who's gone through this right this seems like it's an old tournament you know yeah we don't know anyone who's ever won it right so like well what's didn't, the catch didn't they, didn't they say at the start though uh when they were setting this up that mm -hmm. 
it's it's been a long time since they've had one. Like it's been, oh, that, that, it was dormant true. for a long time. So okay, that was true. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. Yeah. So Rose sets up kind of the biggest threats in the tournament are, right? So we get yep. Respawn, who is very Destro looking, which she comments on. Uh, also very Spawn-esque, which I thought was interesting, oh, sure. the name, right? Uh, we get XXL, who's actually a really little guy who, like, yep. overcompensates with a huge ego. Uh, <laughs> uh, we get Flatline, who's uh-huh. the one who killed him last issue. Uh, right. We have Black Swan who is kind of like a, a demented, like, theater kid who killed an audience yeah. when she decided it's, to. It's the Black Swan movie, but in DC Comics. Yes. It's Aronofsky, you know. Um, so, Flatline. Uh, sometimes I feel like I get this vibe that I don't like new characters, right? I'm grumpy. Uh, no. I love Flatline. And the fact that she is the sidekick to uh, the Batman of Japan's nemesis lord Deathman. <laughs> i i love it like her whole vibe i don't know exactly what her thing is but the fact that she's a sidekick to lord Deathman and her name is flatline she seems to have a bubbly personality which goes counter to what she looks like you know she seems like she just wants to cut loose on this island because it's the first time lord Deathman's let her go yet she's enough of a threat that she's listed in the top five you know, with Black Swan, and then, you know, we get to the fifth one, who's Connor Hawk, just called Hawk, uh, which is nice, because we already have another Connor ro- rolling around uh, DC. Um, and how many Connors is too many? I would argue two. Uh, one. <laughs> well, I-, I meant, you know. So, um, but yeah, no, I do like this, and it looks like Connor kills uh, Raptor for, for Raptor's first death here, and we see just how dangerous Connor Hawk can be, but he also apologizes, right? Uh, which then the League of Lazarus kind of yells, remember why you're here? You know, remember your pledge? So what do they have on him? You know? Yeah, no. Uh, All valid questions. Uh, Rose wants to team up with Damien. Damien's not having it. Uh, mm-hmm. get, gets really embarrassed when she's looking at his manga. Um, like she kind of makes fun of him for it. Yeah. Uh, which, I, which I do, I like. Um, and he says it's personal. Yeah. Uh, which so, I like his guardness. Yeah, she wants to train him, but he's like, wait, I've been trained by Batman. I don't I don't need your training. So that night, he decides to go sneaking around. Uh-huh. He ends up running into Flatline, who comes with him, and they end up getting a glimpse of the, the, the giant Lazarus pit with the big demonic statue kind of around it. This is the cult of Kali Ma from Temple of Doom. That's <laughs> a big Temple of Doom vibes. I'm sneaking around the rocks. Just the shot of, of the big cavern with this pool in there. You know, it's the largest Lazarus pit they've ever seen. So it also tells me that this tournament's not exactly what they're saying it is. Oh, sure, right? yeah. There's more you There's know? more to this, for sure. Yeah. Um. So then Robin gets caught in a net. He cuts his way out of it. It was Rose. And she's like, yeah. look, this is why you still need training, because you're too cocky. Uh, you, you're too arrogant. We need to, like, team up. Um, and the, the cliffhanger of the issue is that they go somewhere where there's a lot of noise and she's like, hey, this yeah. is where your training starts. You need to learn how to have fun. And it's actually all of the other competitors just like hanging out with music and playing video games mm-hmm. and, you know, doing whatever on the beach. So, yeah. uh, I mean, naturally, when Stephanie Brown tried to teach Damien how to have fun, it was one of my favorite issues of that Batgirl yes. one. So 
I'm not against the concept. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how it helps with the tournament. But mm-hmm. I have to say, so far this book's been a pretty solid. Uh, yeah. Concept. Yep. I I like it so far. Like just everything here, and I'm getting a young heroes vibe too. Like mm-hmm. that I've been missing from uh, Teen Titans and even Young Justice, where I just feel like Williamson almost has these characters' voices down a little bit better. And so they do feel young, and Damien feels spot on, and Rose feels uh, right. Um, and yeah, I just, everything is working out so far. Like it, It's paced perfectly, too, because of course we got, you know, this is one, the issue that uh, introduces the rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after, like I said earlier, the first issue was Damien getting there, and now this is how it's going to go. And uh, I, I feel like the bulk is going to be the tournament. Right, like we're gonna see who he's facing off against, and we know it's gonna come down to him versus Connor Hawk. You know that was set up in the the zero issue. Um, uh, so yeah, I I just really like this book. It's a lot of fun. Apologies for the random noise that Mm -hmm. I'm sure people just heard on the audio. Um, I didn't hear it, but uh, Mm -hmm. I did. Uh, that is just a glitch, something to do with Streamlabs. I don't know why they've been notification sound there. Uh. But it's done this before randomly once or twice, and then it stopped doing it, and then it just did it again. So it may happen again. So I'm just warning people if you hear that noise again, because <laughs> nothing I can do. Because it's not a glitch; it's not on my profile. Right. It's, it's weird. Anyway, um, yeah, Robin's Robin's been solid. The art's really good. I think mm-hmm. uh, the combat, the action looks good. Yeah, very expressive with Damien, especially. You know, Rose kind of having that smirk because she's like sort of telling him that he needs to grow up and he needs help, he needs to be trained. Yeah. Uh, the all good stuff. The part, the part that made me realize her eye patch was missing was the wink, where she goes, "I'll train you." And I was like, "Okay, something's off with this." And oh, it's her eye patch. But I love that page, just because the way. I mean, maybe it's... maybe she does have an eye patch before, but I like maybe that's yeah. the whole point of the wink is the wink is like, "Hey, remember there was an eye patch yeah, here before." Maybe... Sure, but I'm just saying. It like for a book that's about a tournament where you have to kill each other, that is a very bright and shiny page. You know, that that's almost I don't want to say it's twee, but just the I'll train you. Like I, I almost read it in like a in like a twin like a like a kid's voice kind of deal, you know? Like I don't know. Almost like it was from a kid's show or Teen Titans Go, which kind of runs opposite of what this book is. So it was, mm. it was nice and we know she's there for her other for her own reasons, you know. Maybe they involve respawn. Um, maybe they involve uh, Justin Todd. Maybe they involve maybe, a number of things. Maybe, yeah. Well, Jason's showing up uh, in issue five with the yeah, rest of the bat, yeah. bat fam, the Bird Gang. So I'm gonna call the group of of sidekicks the, the Bird Gang. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, this is very very fun read. I like the uh, the, the coloring, especially see when they're uh, sneaking into mm-hmm. the Lazarus pit area. Mm-hmm. Uh, the green glow and everything I yep. thought was a really nice touch, really well handled. So yep, uh, so very nice. Um, what are you giving Robin issue two? Uh, I'm giving this a solid eight. I'm giving the exact same scores as you too much, but I mean, I guess if we're in sync, we're in sync. Eight out of ten sure. for me as well. Uh, Star Girl Spring Break Special Issue One: Jeff Johns and Brian Hitch. Uh, let's just get the, the first thing out of the way. At the end of this book, it does say to be continued in Stargirl issue one. Yes. Good. Also, the art is not Hitch. Hitch does that. This is Todd Knock. Hey, in a UC. 
Yeah, the art is not. That, that just was mentioned. Yeah, in, in the back with the Justice Society stuff. But the artist is Todd Knock. Okay. Um, it, well, it's there on the, the title page. So I just want to give credit where it's due. Um, well, but, fair uh, enough. But, um, um, but the, 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 the important thing I was mentioning, though, we didn't know there was yes. a Stargirl book coming. No. Like, so no. when it got to the end and the story wasn't finished and it said, to be continued, I was like, oh, okay. Which is interesting because it's still not solicited. We got August solicits no. today and there's still no Stargirl issue one. No. However, the the how much this plays into Justice Society, it makes me wonder if they're waiting for Infinite Frontier to finish. That would whatever. make some sense, yeah. So, to see where that is. Because um, I was not expecting the first page of the Stargirl special to be Oliver Queen and Emmy. Like, I was not expecting yep. that to be how this starts. I was like, yep. okay, this is weird, but yep. go on. And I just, <clears throat> so, Seven Soldiers of Victory is like a real big blind spot. As much of a continuity nerd I am, it was just always one of those things where I was like, well, this seems pretty superfluous to the Justice Society. Um, and I was like, well, wait, how do they explain Green Arrow being there? And and here, I love that it, it involves time travel. So, like, Green Arrow went to the past, was part of this team, and they got returned to the present. Yeah, with Roy uh, as well. Yeah, Roy went back to With Roy, yeah, yeah, with Roy. And then Ollie kind of states, and this is why I love Johns, and I know... A lot of people out there don't love Johns as much as I do, or even Pete does. But the dude knows his stuff. Like, he knows these characters. And so the fact that he has Wally, or Wally, has Holly go, yeah, I feel like uh, some, of, some of Roy's issues came from this time travel and not being able to adjust to what had happened while we were gone. I, I love that tie back to continuity. Like, it sets these characters, they're almost like they're actual living people. That they're you know these stories have an impact on them, uh, and and here he's schooling Emmy because Emmy is like, no, you weren't even the first Green Arrow. There was some dude in the forties. Yeah, this is how, this is how we learn about this. She says, no, yeah. there was one with the, the clean shaven in the forties. Yeah. Like you were on the front, and he's like, yes, I was. That was me and Roy. We went back in time. It, what? <laughs> Did you hit your head or something? And yeah, it involves Clock King, and I just I love all of that. Um, and it, of course, Emmy. Anytime I can get Emmy, like well, this, is, this well, is the thing. This this ends up being an Emmy and Stargirl kind of team up at a certain point. Uh, I mean, oh, before we even get to that though, Crimson Avenger shows up and says, "Oh, you know, you're needed the Seven Soldiers." Blah blah. Yep. Um, so that draws them into something, and then we finally yep. cut to Stargirl, who's you know in detention because she was mm-hmm. late or didn't do homework Again. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know we we get the the big two page you know cover or not cover the the mm-hmm. title page where she's right on the back of stripe and they're off because again he's been told that he needs to go and see someone mm-hmm. uh, to Merle Beach which I mean I assume it's just Spring break spot it's a real place but I mean I, yeah. I I hear Myrtle Beach and I just I'm thinking of Dark City uh because I'm isn't Myrtle Beach the the beach in that that they keep wanting to go to no, I've never seen Dark City okay. It's spelled yeah. differently, I think, but uh, yeah. So, about. so Myrtle Beach is a is a spring break spot on the southeast part of, uh, you know, in South Carolina. So, you know, uh, of course, they have to go here, you know, during spring break because it's spring break special. And Cor- um, Courtney's feeling sad because like all these kids yeah. are having fun and she's kind of mm-hmm. on duty. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, yeah. So, this is this is the thing that I so. Star, I, I need to go back and read Stars and Stripe. I hope they are reprinting that. I think they are. 
because that was a, a John's book that I that was in my blind spot. Um, I'm, I was always trying to figure out how her stepdad Pat was also around in the '40s, and now you know John's had said that because of the timey wimey that brought Ollie back, the seven soldiers got brought to the present. Yes. So and Pat, he's one of them. Yeah, so Pat's actually from the Golden Age, but he moved forward in time now. Right, and then he met Courtney's mom, they got married, and now... At least, at least in current continuity. Obviously, things yes. have changed over time because we keep resetting and changing right. things, but right. at least right now, that's, right. The, that's the story. It was, always, it was just always one of those things that I, it was hard to wrap my head around. And I know John just went with it because of the whole Justice Society and the age slower because of, you know, comic book reasons. And stuff, but just here and how intrinsically it's tying Stargirl now. That instead of just the Justice Society, they're tying. He's tying her to the Seven Soldiers, well, that, which I get. Right. I was gonna say this is this is the thing is you know this issue is so much you know about Seven Soldiers in terms of like yes. that's that's the that's the backdrop for the story that's playing out mm -hmm. with Courtney and everything right. else. That when you get to the end of the book and you have the two page because because I was thinking okay this is neat but. Yeah. You know, I'm more of a GSA guy than I'm a Seven Soldiers okay. guy. Like, so when you get to that two-page spread at the end, yeah. just to make it clear that no, no, this Courtney stuff is also leading and going to be tying into GSA stuff at some point. Was a nice, like, sort of like, oh, okay. <laughs> I I feel relieved. Yeah, yeah. I feel relieved. Thank you. Yeah. But so yeah, so I I do like though that because she's so tied to the Seven Soldiers because she is the legacy of of two heroes, which is super rare when you think about it, mm -hmm. right? So she's the legacy of Starman because she was given the rod, you know, the staff at this point um, from from Jack Knight and uh, or is it Ted Knight? I got to reread Starman. Anyways, one of the knights, but she's also the heir to the Star Spangled Kid legacy, you know, so the fact here that that they're playing with that, that this is what's going to be her reentry in the meta sense to the DCU. I really like that. And especially, you can give me characters to research that were all around in the Golden Age, and it makes it feel super pulpy. Um, I'm there for it. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, the way this operates is that it kind of just sort of, like, it's one of those things where it's basically stars and stripe, even though mm -hmm. not everything might match up perfectly still. It's th right. This is effectively assuming that that's still more or less your continuity origin yeah. for all this stuff. And and by, and by extension to a, a point, kind of the TV show too, which is kind of, which is is, which, is smart because some people may pick up a Stargirl book now who wouldn't have before because they've seen the TV show. Well, now you've seen the first season. Yes. And didn't you say Seven Soldiers plays into it at one point? Like a small thread? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're mentioned. Okay. There's only one that's really heavily featured, but yeah. Right. So if that tells me anything, he's show running that. He wants that synergy there. So yeah. Uh, so you know, you know, it, it is a bit of a roll call explaining the various soldiers, um, and tells the story of the original Crimson Avenger and seemingly his death. Although they find out that it's more of a he jumped through time with the ship that he was on, um, yeah. which you know they go off to try and deal with with the Clock King and everything going on. Courtney and Emmy decide, yeah, oh, we're not setting this out, and just because a bunch of young heroes have died before, yeah, <laughs> we're, not, we're not staying back. I mean, it's DC; it happens every week. Yeah. This yeah. is par for the course. Um, I did kind of love Emmy just sort of riding on the back of the staff as as yeah. Courtney's like piloting up front. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a fun visual. Fun. So, um, also with this too is that they're talking about Wing, 
who Wing was Crimson Avengers, like, here they say sidekick, but when I did some research, basically Crimson Avenger, when they started, it was the Green Hornet and Kato. And mm. Wing was his butler and chauffeur. And so I feel like here, this is John's trying to make good on that stereotype, right? That he's putting Wing up on a pedestal and go, no, technically Wing was the de facto eighth soldier. But, you know, he sacrificed himself, you know, and this is who we have to restore. It's almost like they're restoring him to the timeline, which this is a character I had no idea about. And I thought John's had just added there, mm-hmm. right? But no, this is all, he's all playing with established Seven Soldiers story. Well, I mean, this is something we have to do from time to time with comics because, mm-hmm. you know, so many comics were written right. long ago when things, right. you know, were, you know, where there were stereotypes, there were mm-hmm. racist and homophobic things thrown into comics, right. and we have to clear them up over time. And uh, it's certainly not a bad way of doing it. Um, no. You know. I, and I wouldn't be surprised that through the Stargirl series, and we start rectifying a lot of those, because if you're going to reintroduce a 40s-era JSA, you know, you kind of have to deal with those, but in a smart way. And I feel like doing something like this, where you're putting Wing as the almost the MacGuffin, and and they have to settle the the Crimson Avenger time loop almost thing, right? Um, that I just I I feel like it, he's just playing again. I love when John plays his continuity, and he's doing that here. So, um, but yeah, so you got them and Emmy, and they're you know fighting Clock King on this giant clock in the middle of this, you know. Time storm, and there's there's pterodactyls, you know, attacking and whatnot. Um, clearly, clearly, and, clearly there's a uh, paradoxes and and like yes. time anomalies happening around all this clock king yeah. stuff. And this is a very classic looking clock king with the, the blue and the green cape and the, the clock yep. face. This is not this is not the uh, more uptight sort of posh looking dude. Uh, yeah. The dude with the cane and the glasses yeah. that was like watch faces. V- yeah. Very different type of clock king. Yeah. Uh, at, one, so, at one point, Oliver gets blasted with like a time wave. Yeah. And we see like young Oliver and then old Oliver who's missing the arm and has the beard. The, the, the Dark Knight Returns version. Yeah. We see them yeah. sort of all side by side, sort of react to them in pain at mm-hmm. the same time. Uh, and Oliver says that he feels kind of weird after. Like he, he yeah. felt like he, he saw the whole timeline in one fell swoop. But, you know, it's, it's, this is Courtney and Emmy uh, jumping in and actually really saving the day and get getting to Crimson Avenger. And Crimson Avenger, effectively, you know, them trying to, like, save this, it, it turns out that all along, Crimson Avenger was destined to die on this ship. Right. He just makes the choice now uh, in the future where right. he's going to, you know, sexually, you know, save everyone by, right. you know, sacrificing himself. Um, right. But, you know... You know, it's. I mean, I think this is a really solid uh, issue in terms of interest and all this stuff. It's maybe a little bit overstuffed in terms of how many characters mm-hmm. you have to sort of take on board. If you, if you, if you're yeah. not, if you're not familiar with a lot of these characters, there's a lot to take in here. But yeah, so- it does feel like it feels like it reminds me of reading JSA a little bit. Like it reminds mm-hmm. me of having like all that dense history where I don't necessarily know all of it. I don't necessarily get all of it right away. But clearly, right. John's loves all these characters, is trying to like build them all up at the same time. Um, and it, this reminds me a lot of that issue. If you go back to the start of the GSA run, there was like a secret files thing before mm-hmm. the actual run started. 
it kind of reminds me of that, even though Johns himself wasn't actually heavily involved in it until issue six or whatever it was, but right. uh, it's giving me that kind of vibe, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm getting here so, from, from this. Yeah, so like Crimson Avenger, this version, the new one, Joe Carlisle, I had forgotten about that character because it's been forever since I read Justice Society, uh, where, where she had showed up. So trying to rectify all of that with this version of Crimson Avenger was a lot for me, but I had a lot of fun doing it. And this is the type of stuff that I used to do when I first started reading comics. And it was a lot more difficult, you know, to, to search through. Like, you had to maybe go to the shop and ask someone if they knew what was up. You know, now, thankfully, we have we have Google. Uh, we have DC Wiki. Know, <laughs> yeah, DC Wikis and, and whatnot. So, you know, just to see, like, for them to mention that the Crimson Avenger was kind of the first superhero, even predating Sandman, and, you know, it stopped using guns and used gas guns before Sandman. And just how much, you know... And I like that that detail as well, that Wing was the yeah. one who kind of stopped the gun. Like, to... you know, kind of, like, inspired yeah. him to stop using guns and start using non-lethal right. methods. And stuff. And, and the fact that we see Wing running through some weird dimension with two people in shadows, one of which looks like Obsidian, mm. if, I, if I had to guess just from the outline, which would maybe make the other one Jade. But basically talking about they have to get back to Judy Garrick, which isn't Judy Jay's wife. I can't remember. I don't remember her name being Judy. No, I don't either. But does he have a daughter then? Because we get to the point at the end of this where, where Courtney... I I, I assumed it was referring to a daughter or something, even though I don't remember there being a daughter. But like that's the yeah. sort of thing where continuity might have changed and I just don't know about it's it. It's Joan, not Judy. Yeah, that's what's, yeah Joan's uh, the wife. Yeah, it's Joan's Joan. the wife. Yeah, let me see. Look, um, da, 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 da. yeah. So who's Judy Garrett? Yeah, that's a that's a that, that's a good question. But so basically, the, she could you know, be she it, could be new. That could be an intentional right? tease, but because obviously right? we're all going to see the name Garrett and go wait a minute. Yeah, well, so it says this way. Hurry, we wing. We can't leave Judy Garrett behind. We can't leave any of them here secret. So that lady's okay. So that secret was another, you know, another established DC character. Um, so it's not, I should have looked by the tendrils, the like smoke coming off her. And he says, we're not going to Danny. So you know, now I'm on a, I smell a mystery. Yes. Um, I mean, to sum all this up, because I, I feel like we're, we're getting lost in the weeds a little bit here. I, I think yeah. we have to just kind of sum up the event of what actually happened in this issue. So, the original Crimson Avenger, not the newer one with the, the blindfold and the, the gloves, right. right? Who's the one I do remember from GSA. Um, right. But she's gathered the, 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 all the seven soldiers who currently exist, uh, which, you know, obviously uh, has changed a little bit since the Golden Age. Uh-huh. But basically the ship that the original Crimson Avenger on with Clock King's weird device that was causing all the time anomalies, yeah. that appeared in present day near the beach... Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, near the Myrtle Beach, and they're all out there fighting. Courtney and Emmy go out to try and help, and they're the ones that actually get the Crimson Avenger, the original Crimson Avenger, yeah. and actually help destroy the device, which then fixes all the problems. Um, but through all these time anomalies, we see glimpses of uh of Wing with these other characters. We see glimpses of these other things going on. I just, I'm trying to sum up the actual, just so people understand that if they haven't read no, it or whatever. Fine. Just to yeah, give a fine. sense of what's actually going on here, because I feel like we're we're doing all these details and you know. Yeah, yeah, no, you're fine. Um, because um, I was I was rushing to get to the to the green text here, 
towards the end, which I feel that this is the plot thread going forward. Oh, sure, yes. Uh, yeah. The Childminder is coming. The Lost uh -huh. Sons, the Lost Daughters, the children need to be free. Which to me sounds like a lot of kids who were written out of continuity are coming back to continuity. <laughs> that's what it yeah, sounds that's like. that's what I wanted to get to, and that's why I'm trying to... That's why I got so hyper-focused on who Judy Garrick is and stuff and, and, and whatnot, because this is one of those things that it's playing with continuity, and, and I'm, I'm here for that, because when you have as much continuity as DC does, you know, you, there's a lot to mine there. I mean, have you, have you um, found a Judy Garrick? No, no. I mean, well, maybe this is like a fun. This is like a, a dawn from the hit television show Buff of the Vampire Slayer yeah. type thing, where they're going to insert a, a daughter of of uh, Jay Garrick and coming back with all these other characters who have been written out of continuity, mm -hmm. but she never actually existed in the first place. They're just adding right. her in as a as like an extra. Maybe that's what they're doing. I don't know. Um, but so I also want to point out too that the secret. So I just pulled her up. Co-created by by Todd Knock, who who ah drew this. So, go. so whatever, so whatever it is, I don't know. Sitting the same as Todd. So whoever Danny is. So yeah. So whoever these lost quote characters are, I feel like this is kind of the bridge to when we can get to the Justice Society and whatnot. Just based off of this, because you know Courtney and Emmy come in and help save the day, uh, and and the machine implodes and everyone's safe, and you know she gets her superhero spring break adventure. Um. Which which I do love the ending here, because you know they're they're all gone back and they have dinner, um, but she's you know because only I think she's the only one that heard that right because they had a, a a service for Lee Travis and stuff, um, but he sent her to Doctor Midnight so Doctor Midnight's around in this now right so what does this mean for the Greater JSA stuff too that that got me there. Um, yeah, well, the actual ending is Emmy showing up to, to Courtney mm -hmm. saying, hey, everyone says Wing is dead, but I've got a lead. And she's like, yeah, let me yeah. get my staff. And it just says, to be yeah. continued in Stargirl issue one, which is the end of the main part of the story. Yep. Um, so that that was like exciting to see that at the bottom there, because mm -hmm. they hadn't actually mentioned that as of yet. Yeah. Uh, and I, anyway, I didn't really see spoils written. And I thought the book was mostly done all on some like backup material, but there is actually a couple yep. of more pages. Uh, there's yeah. a tease of uh, Degaton, who is the the sort of Nazi style, like villain. Nazi time traveler. Yeah. As if I need a better villain. Right. Because yeah. this is the thing: the Clock King. Well, it was him, his doing that caused all the problems. Yeah. The tech that he was using was kind of ripped off from from this uh, yeah. Degaton, who I don't know really Pretty well, but I'm 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 excited by the the prospect here. And then time traveling Nazi. Sorry. Yeah. And then it leads to like so at the end of that page, uh, there are people I'm going to hurt, and then you turn the page. And there's a two-page spread, and it's more or less a pinup. It says so. It continues his speech where he says a lot of them. And who do we see on this page? We see a glorious two-page spread of the JSA, uh, including a lot of the characters you'd be hoping for, some that uh -huh. you expect, some are kind of the younger, newer versions, and then but you see like the older versions sort of uh, yeah. in a more muted color tone in the back. Yeah. yeah. But I would presume that this this uh, you know the the front batch that are in full color that that is going to be the present day jsa with all the yeah. legacy characters because that you know only partly because you've got courtney but you also have a lot of younger versions you have the new dr midnight the new wildcat you have mm -hmm. the new younger versions of these characters whereas the the ones in the back are the the golden age version so i mean are yeah. we going to get like two books are we going to get like the golden age version in a book and then the modern version of the book are we going to get a book where it sort of jumps between the timelines of both of them because there's time travel so, yeah so if it's 
if it's Johns, it wouldn't surprise me if it's both at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if we're using the past to tell or telling the future to tell the story of the past, because you look at some of these, you know, like you have you have Earth 2 Power Girl and Huntress there in the background, you know, um, you, have Power you, Girl, have, you have Power Girl in the foreground as well. But right. But no Huntress. Right. So it's, it's a little bit it's a little bit different. Well, yeah, because Earth uh, 2 Huntress would be Helena Wayne, whereas the Huntress we have in current continuity right? is not that. It's uh, Barnelli. Right. But also, Earth 2 Power Girl is Kara Zor-El. You know? It's grown up Supergirl. So, um, so yeah. So you just have a whole bunch of them um, through here, you know? You have the Hawks in the background there, too. Um, you have Wonder Woman in, in multiple spots, you know? Um, and and same with Doctor Min. So it seems like there's like almost three versions of the Justice Society here, you know, to play off of. Uh, although I am missing Liberty Bell and or Jesse Quick, whatever she's gonna go by. Uh, that, well, that's a, that's I, I think that's, it's actually really easy to distinguish. I mean, I, I don't think it's really that important that there's three versions. Although I do agree that the the background is split in two. I think the the, the uh-huh. right hand side is the Earth Two version of the JSC. Yeah. Uh, and then the left-hand side is the Golden Age version yeah. of the GSA, is my... And this is the, the, the if you smash them together, you know, you get the front foreground guys, which is our Justice Society. I mean, yeah, right? but a lot of it's the legacy versions, it's the newer, yeah. younger versions, and so, right. and so on. Uh, so, yeah, obviously I am delighted by wherever this is going. I, you know, mm-hmm. like, the idea that this is actually leading to GSA stuff, whether it's a GSA book or... Because I, I can see it not being... I can see John's doing a Stargirl book, but then GSA mm-hmm. is by Snyder. Well, yeah, but see, it says on here, Justice Society by uh, John's and Hitch. Now, you're not just going to give that to the, the pinup. Well, it's also the know? page before as well. The page before is also John's oh, and yeah, Hitch. Oh, yeah, true. So it's, t- it's technically a two-page right. story. So I, I, you, I, you got me there. Yeah, I think this is just the credits for this little two-page thing. Uh, gotcha. But... I mean, don't get me wrong. Am I going to be upset if it, no? If it's John's GSA and a Stargirl yeah. book at the same time that are interlinked, sign me up. Yeah. Sign me up mm-hmm. all day long. Uh, but just given how much there was Snyder teasing for GSA stuff for a long time, it wouldn't surprise me if he yeah. was still doing the GSA book. That was, you know, he was going to work closely yeah. with John's who's doing Stargirl. That wouldn't shock me either. But just, just give them to me. I miss them. Of course. So yeah, you know. But there was some decent GSA related stuff in the last issue of Flash, so you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to get there. You have to get there. So, uh, yeah. so there you go. Especially like, there's a, there's a where's Stripesy uh, page <laughs> at the back just for fun. But... Like an idiot, I yelled, "Found him!" <laughs> as I was reading this at work. Uh, yeah. So, oh, no point to spoil it. You may as well if you you're reading the book at home, you may as yeah. well find it for yourself. Uh, so. Yeah, needless to say, very interesting stuff. Uh, excited about the future. Uh, I like the the kind of the, the solid sort of grounding of trying to like tie all this continuity together, and it feels like if it lives up to what I want it to be, which is basically just like you know a new version of GSA. Even even if it's not, even if John isn't doing GSA and he's just in a Star Girl book, even if the Star Girl book mm-hmm. is just kind of oh, that's the young GSA book frontline by Star Girl, and the same way the TV show is kind of. Oh, they're doing young JSA, but I mean, it's called Star Girl. Like, I'm okay right. with that too. Uh, but I'm delighted by the prospect of that. Uh, I think as an issue, I think all the continuity stuff that it's teasing and all the stuff that it's doing is really interesting. 
it's not necessarily the sale of the best pace book and it's definitely maybe a little too overstuffed with characters at points so i i wouldn't say it's a the best crafted issue i would say it's a decent crafted issue with a lot of really exciting forward going ideas and teases mm-hmm. i mean it is a special so i feel like it did feel special in this you know what i mean like i did enjoy the story but i also love pulpy timey-wimey stuff that plays with continuity so, so this is right in my notes yes but specials yeah. that also pay with timey-wimey continuity stuff can still be better paced <laughs> i don't know i liked i didn't mind the pacing so you know i, I thought it was fine yeah uh, i think there's some, some maybe some technical qualms with it but uh I'm into what it's doing. So I dare I ask, Matt, what are you rating the Stargirl Spring Break special issue one? I don't even know a nine, and I know that's a high, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I I, I mean, I, I do think it's a little overstuffed in places. Um, So I'm going to go a bit lower and say the eight, but I am very excited about everything that's setting up and uh, whatnot. I, I, you know, that, that, you know, I love the tease of Degaton anyway, but when he said, I'm going to hurt a lot of people, then you turn the page and it's that mm-hmm. GSA two-page spread. Like, I popped. Like, I popped for yeah. that. So. Yep. You know, cool stuff. That's great. All right. Mr. Miracle, The Source of Freedom, issue one. Brandon Easton and Fico Ozio, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, mm-hmm. uh, on the art. So, yeah, it's a Shiloh Norman, Mr. Miracle. Uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's interesting is I'm not sure how much like Scott Freeze existed in the world in the context of this story. Uh, yeah, it's there's some strange stuff at play that I feel like is part of the story that's being told. Yeah, there's there's, de- there's definitely stuff to uh get into. Oh wait, no, I tell yeah. a lie. I forgot the last page. Scott Freeze does exist in this world, of course he does. <laughs> he does, but in what form? Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I forgot. I, I will say my biggest drawback to this was the ending. I don't like because I, I, I think I just remembered th- wondering that throughout the issue. I'd forgotten what the cliffhanger was <laughs> at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we see that this, uh, this uh, Mister Miracle is kind of a celebrity. He's a, you know, he's a, is a obviously secret identity mm-hmm. celebrity, but he does stunts and does like feats. You know, he does this big thing at the start pay per view where he jumps basically from orbit uh into earth and has to get out the chains and everyone thinks he dies and it's this big you know spectacular stunt but when they go to find him when they think they're going to find a crash landing he's sitting there sipping a beverage you know as if it's nothing as if it's no big deal yeah um so that's kind of uh, set up for it yeah he's, he's an escape artist so of course that was part of it you know yeah so and there's a lot of him talking with his agent and stuff like that. Um, and he doesn't want to release his identity, even though his agent thinks it'll, it'll do better numbers for them. They're, they're, they're dropping in demographics. The ratings are going down a little bit. Um, yeah. And he doesn't want to. Um, he doesn't want to be, you know, an action... You know, well, there's action figures and stuff anyway, but he doesn't want to be, you know, this. He doesn't Which... Which is funny because this is the same guy that did the backup in uh, Future State, mm-hmm. where there was a bunch of of Mister Miracle action figures and stuff. Like that was part of the story. So I, I did like that. That was a nice little subtle thing. Like he is a full blown celebrity, not just a cape hero. You know what I mean? Yeah, and he brings up Thaddeus Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which, uh, you know, do you, are you familiar with Thaddeus Brown? Yeah, so Thaddeus Brown is his, um, is his mentor that taught him the art of escape, who also worked with Scott Free. I know in my limited uh, knowledge of of the fourth world stuff, because that's still a big blind spot for me. Um, but yeah, he was a circus escape artist, the first person. So he was the actual first Mr. Miracle. Hmm. Uh, and then when Scott Free got to Earth, when he escapes, um, when he escapes Apocalypse, that's where you know Scott Free comes from. Yeah, because um, his, his agent says, you know, you don't you don't want the world to know you're black, basically, and right. he says, I'm not ashamed of who I am or what I stand for. But Thaddeus Brown suffered tremendously once he was exposed. So that obviously his race is going to play into the story, as mentioned numerous times. Which, uh, which I liked. The, the meta context of this I like is that even though he's an escape artist, he can't escape the, you know, his skin color. Like, no matter what he does, he's still going to be held to a different standard than everybody else. And I like that thread through this, you know, because those are the... Well, that, that's, kind one... of, that's kind of what he says about wearing the mask, is that it's the one time mm-hmm. he doesn't have to, like, feel that. Right. It's just the one time he's right. free of that, in a, in, a, in a sense. Right, exactly. And so... I like all of that, and then that's when we got to the end part and this part about legacy and just the look and stuff. I'm just like, okay, that's not where I thought I was going to go because I was enjoying it for the most part. The dialogue is just a little bit weird because he he meets a firefighter, right? He yeah, I was going to say you're, you're, you're skipping over the whole middle yeah. chunk of the book, which is him um, helping out uh, at a fire, and he meets this firefighter who he seems to like quite a bit. And mm-hmm. to the point, and this is actually something I've never seen done in a superhero comic before, where he wants to ask her on a date, so he's going to have to tell her who he is. So he makes her sign an NDA to accept a date, which is, yeah. I've never seen done in a comic before, which is really weird. And if that's a real thing, that's even weirder. Because they go, oh, movie stars do this all the time. Well, And it's like... I, I don't know if, they, I mean, maybe, maybe they do it for details of their personal life because it, everyone's yeah. so desperate you know they, it's just yeah. to like so they don't do like oh the gossip interview where they tell some magazine everything mm-hmm. they know about them or whatever like but that, that's that's different from this where it's like no no you can't tell anyone who he is like you, right. you're going right. to find out well, who he is and here it makes sense though because he is this masked character you know mm. that's the the mystique is part of what makes mr miracle work right like so i get that it's just his lack of, of skill being able to talk to anybody, I just that page was so awkward, and I and I understand, I understand the point of it is to show how awkward of a person he is, but it just didn't land for me. You know him him going off about you know movies and you know demographics and you know the real money's in network TV and all this other stuff. It was just it was real awkward. Yeah. Oh, before we get to the date though. Um... You know, he talks about, uh... That was very loud, Matt. Sorry, sorry, I hit my iPad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is in front of me. Yeah, because he does this TV interview, it doesn't go that well. There's, uh, like, shitty, like, social media comments and stuff. Um, and... You know, again, his, his publicist, his agent, is trying to talk to him about, you know, you know, it's not 1969, things, you know, things are better. he's like... Yeah, you're right. It's not 1969, but it doesn't really change anything. Like things are still yeah. bad. Uh, it talks about how, you know, the elders in his community would, you know, would hope that eventually the good white people will do the right thing eventually. 
but they all went to their graves disappointed. And you know, it, it really hammers these these themes. Um, it, you know, it's not a, a thread to, to have the the social commentary, uh, throughout there. Uh, it's definitely not a, an accident that when he's lo- when he's making this speech and there's a lot of like screens up like showing various news yeah. and video feeds. There's someone holding a sign saying "I can't breathe." Like you know, the right. the very specific mm-hmm. political like reference that that's making is is not I think lost in most people. No. Um. So. Yeah. So he, he goes to this date for this date with the firefighter. Uh, and they kind of flirt a little bit, and it seems to be going fine. But yeah, like you say, there's, there's this kind of thing where. It, he keeps talking about uh, basically his career and movie numbers and demographics and where you make money as a star. And then by the time you get to the bottom of the page and like time has passed because it's gotten dark, she's looking right. like so bored. And to be fair, like, I get why she looks bored. All he's doing is yeah. talking about his, himself in this really nitty gritty way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, I was like, is there more to you than this? Like, is there is there anything else going on with you? <laughs> and then this jerk goes, "Oh, I thought for a firefighter you'd be more interesting." And I was like, "Oh, bro." Yeah, he's <laughs> he's so self centered. He's, 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 you know, yeah. I, I think I think it's actually very interesting to give us a character who immediately we're going to give flaws to. Yeah. We're going to give you know. Yeah. Just the way it was handled, I didn't enjoy that. I didn't enjoy reading it like that because I was like, "Oh, this is kind of rough right now." Um, but I get where it's coming from. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, and she, you know, she storms off. Uh, he tries to let you know, call her back. Say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me, you know, mm-hmm. explain. I've had a rough week kind of thing. But yeah, it comes off as a really dickish moment. And it's, it's kind of interesting to take that path for your character. Uh, then you get to kind of the, the big thing where, uh, someone knows who he is because his apartment's been broken into and the, mm-hmm. the words thief have been written over the walls. Uh, uh, someone calls him a ghetto hero. Or, or, sorry, that's also written in the wall. I don't know, it's the same person, obviously. Yeah. Uh, just just things written, you know, liar, stuff like that. Uh, and then there's a couple of blasts of energy and the big cliffhanger at the end is the true inheritor. So this guy shows up with, he's, he's got a bit of the, the, the yellow, green and red on him, but he's also got mm-hmm. silver. He's got like a, a super over-the-top mask and cape. Calls himself Navir Free. Says he's the, the 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 child of Mister Miracle and Barda, and he's mm-hmm. the true inheritor of the Mister Miracle mantle. Um, so this is Joe. What's so weird about this is that if the, if if we didn't have the twelve issue Mister Miracle book, yeah, I still wouldn't necessarily be like super in love with this necessarily because it right. still feel like a bit of a cheap you know end of issue one cliffhanger huh? or whatever, but. Because I loved that book so much, and it is by far the definitive like version of Mister Miracle, and it's what I think about when I think of Mister Miracle now. And the story of them having their child is so sweet that obviously this this doesn't this isn't the name that the kid has in that book, obviously. But no. so it's, it's not even really meant to be the same character. But the idea that there's some deranged Mister Miracle kid of Barda and Scott from the future or something showing up here to like fight this new Mr. Miracle. I don't know. Something about it just sort of made me go, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I wouldn't say I hate it. I'm not going to say that there's not no. possible, like, I, stuff I to like come from it, but... I like the idea of the legacy and who's supposed to be able to have the mantle that if, if it was meant to be passed down from father and the son, yet here Shiloh Norman is, is using the Mr. Miracle mantle 
and stuff. And you can get into the whole race dynamics of that, too. You know, because here he calls him weak, stupid, and worthless. Yet he doesn't know him, right? Like, you know, so there's a lot of uh, presumptions going on. Um, it's, it's interesting because he, he, you know, I mean, this character, Navir, he feels entitled yeah. to it because his father was scot-free. But, right. you know, Shiloh was mentored by the same person that Scott took it from. And, you know, he so so right. so Scott took it from a black man. So there is kind right. of this, this line here of, this this idiot, you know, Navir Free right. feels entitled to it, but arguably, uh, like at, at the very least, Shiloh is equally like entitled to it because he was mentored by the original Mr. Right. Miracle. But on top of that, arguably, it should go back to a black person because it did come from a black person. Right. And this is you right. know, this, this this white asshole comes in here going, man, 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 I, this belongs to me. If yeah, because he's entitled to it, and it's like no, it's. I have earned this. And so again, it's that whole race dynamic thing of what's earned and what's entitled and, and whatnot. So it fits the story. I just, a, the dude's name is Navir free, which comes out to be never free, which tells me that he's really not the son of Scott free. Right. That's got anti-life equation written. Oh yeah. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I think the problem is, and there'll probably be more to it, and maybe some reveals yeah. that you say about who he really is, or mm-hmm. there's the context for why he's acting like this, or whatever. But ultimately, I just like, I don't think I like the idea right now of Scott Free and Big Barda's kid being a dick. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't think I like that idea right now because right, yes. right now to me, that's a baby. <laughs> it's a baby yeah. who had a yeah. very sweet emotional story building to, and what yeah. that represented oh. to both of those characters. Yeah, just the whole idea of the fourth world. What I do like about that, and the thing I am familiar with, is the whole idea that the fourth world, when it ends, Earth will become the fifth world. And that's why there's so much superhero shenanigans going on, right? That's what Kirby had always set up in in that. So the whole idea of legacy is, is you know, built in to the new gods and the fourth world. So the idea that this, this story, as the first issue, is about legacy, and whose legacy is it, I, I really like. Uh, just the execution here, a little, little bit off. Uh, so, like you said, in my head, that's a baby, and and a baby's not wearing that stupid costume, which I don't even like <laughs> to look at the costume because it's like they took Barda's costume and Scott's costume and just threw it in a blender. It's overdone, you know? yeah. I, yeah, the, the helmet, the big mask, the like, mohawk. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't like. It. No, so, don't it's like overdone. It. It's so, overdone. Yeah, I, I, so. I think I I like the first chunk of it, which is okay. He's these this stair devils, you know, escape artists. He's mm-hmm. doing pay per view stuff. Um, the talk with the the agent about demographics, I I actually kind of liked. I liked like the agent trying to talk him mm-hmm. into doing things, but being kind of sympathetic as to why he feels uncomfortable doing certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Once you get to the date, it's a little bit murky. Although I do appreciate the attempt to give us someone who's not mm-hmm. perfect because it's it's too easy with a main character yeah. to just give us someone who's great. Um, mm-hmm. why don't you get to the, you know, the, the, the kid from the future? I mean, I'm assuming he's from the future. I mean, it has to be, right? unless this is set in the future, which I don't think it is. I don't think it is because this is a character that was doing stuff in future state. Yeah. Um, so also I, I, there was, um, I like the idea of another hero being active in, in Metropolis and the fact that he's so tied to suicide slum, right? Like that's his mm-hmm. neighborhood. That's where he grew up, you know? So on top of that, you'd think that it's taking place in current time, you know, with, 
with everything that's going on, like in the backup of Superman with with all of those, you know, other characters, you know, you'd think this is modern day. So we'll see. I this did not. Um, like I, I like the question, like you know, because we talked a bit about there about the the question of who does the legacy belong to and the entitlement right. of this character. I think the, the what dilutes it a little bit is that we have to invent this character to to do it, and I don't know if it, feel, it just it feels like it doesn't sit well with everything else that that we know about the the you know the other Mister Miracle character. And admittedly, like how in continuity was that Mister Miracle book? Sure, okay, that's a fair point, right. but. A lot of it's connected to it, so it's hard mm-hmm. to just jump into this and take this new child of, of Scott and Barda and not just be like, eh. Even though yeah. the questions that are raised from it and like the, the the themes that it's going to explore because of it are actually quite interesting. Um, so, yeah. So, a lot, little mixed in places, I, I, I would say. Yeah, uh, for sure. I'm, it, it hasn't chased me off of wanting to keep reading it. I just, I got to that last page and I was otherwise like, I was having some like hesitations about it. Then I got to that last page and I went, "Oh come on, yeah, what? why are we doing this one?" Like I, I do like the whole concept of legacy and who it belongs to. Like that whole, you know, the whole oh, social Matt, media. Matt, Mike, Mike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I whole, continue. <laughs> yeah, the whole social media aspect of it, right? Like, you know, the the trolls coming after him. Yeah. So. No. I- there's definitely a lot of good stuff in here. It's it's just not everything clicks either. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so with that said, what are you giving it? I'm gonna this is seven point five. Yeah, I was thinking seven. I, I, I think there's enough good in here that I'm 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 excited about what it's going to explore. Uh, but we'll see how much it leans into this this wackiness of this this character at the end. Yeah. Uh, before I, I get to complimentary. So yeah, and there there are uh, solid. I'd say. Yeah, it's not the same artist. So the artist that does the covers did the did the backups in the feature state. Mm-hmm. I much prefer, but this art's not bad. Like I'm not. No, know, it's, maybe, it's it's a little bit more house style, but not super. Yeah. So no. if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. That's the miracle of source of freedom. Batman Superman issue eighteen. Gene Lun Yang rating. Ivan Risa on the art. This is the next part of our our little world and. You know, last issue ended with the the tease that okay, now Batman and Robin are going to go into the Superman and Lois world uh, of the two, mm-hmm. and of course, a lot of the encounters you expect there, where he's going to meet this Martha who's kind of evil, they're going to meet this Bruce who's a bit more of a wimp, they're going mm-hmm. to do these things, uh, and all those encounters, uh, and then likewise, this issue kind of ends with a tease of what's happening next, and it looks like the Batman, Superman, Lois, and uh, Robin of these two worlds are coming into the main DC world now at the end of this issue with the real yeah. Batman and Superman. They're like little tinies. Yeah. It's pretty hilarious, it, which cracks me up because that was one of our favorite things. And when Williamson was writing with the little mini, um, when they threw the candor into the <laughs> yeah. Lazarus pit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was giving me vibes of that. So that, that cracked me up. But yeah. Um, I just love Yang like telling such an unconventional story. Right, he's telling it on two fronts. He's telling the story of, you know, how different Batman and Superman are, and what their worlds are like without the other, you know, and and just like how much of a of a spineless coward Bruce is, you know, with his mom here that you you feel like the mom doesn't treat him right, so that's why he's the way that he is, you know, 
I, I mean, in fact, she makes him a bizarro two-face at the end. You know? Yeah, like, she injects him just with a means a, to an end. Yeah, she injects him with a serum uh, from yeah. from uh, this Atom guy, who turns out to actually be a third Lex Luthor. From another, yeah. yeah. From another one of these archived it, worlds. It, it's a Lex who's become aware that there's the archivist who's burning uh, any world that doesn't become yeah. perfect, so he's trying to build a perfect world. So, mm-hmm. the ultimate bad guy is Alex, which is obviously, right. you know, par for the course. What I, what I do like about this, though, well, I, I do like that when Bruce is injected with something, it turns him into Bizarro, because it's very, oh, it's a Lex experiment to make a Superman mm-hmm. gone wrong. That's kind of funny to me. But, I like that the Superman and Batman of these two worlds, once we start getting into this issue a little bit, and they start to help each other out, they almost start to form the world's finest bond, naturally mm-hmm. very quickly and it's like yep. hey it's not taking long even though they're coming from literally different worlds where that bond is starting to form yeah uh which i i kind of appreciate i thought it was a nice little commentary on just like the batman superman relationship yeah. um which i kind of dug so yeah jimmy's running away from ben alfred uh, i forgot about yep. ben alfred i was delighted to see yep. ben alfred again yes that's uh, great yeah um also the <laughs> homework I, I love that line. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I I was laughing at um like so so Batman figures out when they transport into the new world that they're actually in a different version of the Batcave. Yep. But uh, Robin doesn't figure it out until they get up the stairs and Robin goes, "Wait a minute, these are our stairs." And Batman yeah. goes, "Took you long enough. You're going to need some more homework when we get back." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty great. Uh, um, yeah. I was I was thinking some of that. Um. Yeah, obviously the emotional reactions of seeing Martha and and, and the mm-hmm. rest of it all makes complete sense. But yeah, so you know, yeah, but Superman cauterizing the wound with his heat vision, yeah, uh, and Batman thanking him, and it, like just the, this camaraderie start, is starting to build like so quickly. Uh, it's a really really neat touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, a lot of it then comes down to Martha injecting her her Bruce with a uh, a serum. Which turns him into a Bizarro at first, even mm-hmm. talks like Bizarro, but then half of him kind of turns back, so he ends up two-faced <laughs> yeah. Bizarro at the end. It's such a great amalgam of stuff, you know? It's like, you can tell Yang's having a lot of fun with these concepts, right. where they were just kind of like, do whatever you want. It's it's an archived world that could burn up at the end. Yeah, it's so wacky. You know? Yeah, I, I love when uh, this, you know, this Lex, this, you know, f- final yeah. villain Lex, who's like been jumping between world to world, like when they, when he's explaining who he is, that it's like it doesn't because yeah. because most of the panels, of course, are in the the, the film strips, right? That's been the art right. style. Mm-hmm. But when he's explaining things, he's just in front of a lot of like different film strips. You know, it's kind of, it's, it completely changes mm-hmm. the style uh, yeah. from from the the regular stories that have been told. Um, but of course, Lex m- makes another barrier in the film, and this is where we end with them coming out into the real world and yes they're like action figure sized yeah uh and we should mention that auteur io which by the way still love the name auteur io uh has a phantom zone crystal which is kind of the 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 real world prefer so we still have a few issues left of this because we we know the conclusion isn't Mm -hmm. coming till august so yeah uh, i am fascinated to see how we get three more issues uh because it's done such a good job of changing up the status quo at the end of each issue that i am fascinated to see Okay, what's it going to be at the end of this one then? Like right. you know, the next issue, I mean, like what? Like are they going to become full size? Are we going to get them to see what the, this world's like with Batman and Superman, or even just talking to Batman and Superman about the, the, you know this Batman and Superman who do exist together and have this friendship? 
Like, what do they make of this? You know, there's a lot of ideas. Like, does little Robin get to see, like, Nightwing grown up? Like, what's his reaction to that? Yeah. You know? That, that'd be cool. There's potential. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah, a lot uh, of potential. Just a fun time. It's not an important story. It's nothing that's going to ever going to be a big deal. Yeah, I think but, in the context of things. But yeah, but I mean, I'm so enjoying it because it's. I I do love that Yang just seems to be having fun, and that's where I mean when we saw in the solicits that the the annual was going to be one of those flip books where one half of it is Superman, mm-hmm. and then the back half you flip it over. Like he's done this since he's come to DC. You know, just telling, you know, using the format and it's almost an incentive to pick things up physically, you know, like that terrifics choose your own mm-hmm. and, and stuff. So he's just, he's having fun. Just let him have his little corner and, you know, yeah, I, I don't think everything he does always works, but I cannot, okay. I cannot, you know, fault the, the man for mm-hmm. trying to be inventive with the format and trying to tell wackier, more pulpy stories. It, yeah. it'll probably never be my favorite thing I read that week, unless it's unless the week's not that good, I suppose. But uh, true. But I, it's always a nice little like dessert towards the end of my my stack, mm-hmm. as it were. I mean, I read digitally, so it's not a stack, but you know. But you know, at the end of your queue, if you will. Yeah. Now I want pancakes, because I said the word stack. <laughs> uh, so there you go. That's Batman Superman eighteen. And obviously, Ivan Reese is still. I mean, you know. There's, there's not a whole lot to add at this point with Ivan Reese's art here because it's just it's just pretty. Yeah, I mean it's he's doing like the classic versions with the modern day versions, and it's just like yet they all seem unique. Yeah, right? he's, like, he's he's got the chubby Lex, who's the one from yeah. the, the, the 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 Batman world where Lex is just this guy who's trying to prove that Martha's up to no good, locked in the right. cell. But then we have the Atom Lex, who's the the, the ultimate villain one who's been jumping around. Uh, and has right. been supplying Martha with all this stuff to like mess up her world. Yeah, which is interesting. It's interesting that the world that he's trying to make that's perfect is the one that has Superman in it. I think that's a very interesting mm-hmm. detail. Right. Yeah, well, for, it's the one that for, he knows from Lexi's perspective. I mean, though, like the the, the yeah. perfect world that he's trying to build is a one that has Superman in it. I think that's well, almost like a an admission, ultimately, that Lex has to accept that the better version of the world is the one with Superman in it. Well, I mean, when you look at it, though, too, it's the one that he knows that he's already familiar with, right? But is it? We don't, we don't know what world this Lex came from. No, but it's when you associate Lex with Superman, that that's, that's the one that he knows how to handle. So if there's a world with only Superman, that's only one person that he has to deal with. He doesn't have to deal with Bruce. Yeah, but how do you know that this Lex came from a world with Superman? I, I don't. I'm just, I'm projecting. Yeah, I you don't know that. Yeah. But you don't know that either. We're both agnostic here. You don't know that he did come from a world without Superman. I never he said that. I said Superman. we didn't know. I know. I know. I know that we don't know. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know what we don't know. All right. I know what we don't know, and you don't know what I know that we don't know that I don't yeah. know that you don't know. They don't know that we know that we know that they don't know. That that's it. Do you right know? What, do you know what you're writing the book? <laughs> I do. I'm gonna give this an eight. Uh, I'm also happy to yeah I'll go 7.5 nice 7.5 nice 7.5 alright I'm very hungry but mm-hmm. there is one huge book still left to discuss Strange Adventures issue 10 Tom King 
writing with Mitch Gerrard and Doc Shainer on the R. And this has been a, obviously a fantastic book throughout its mm. run. And this is a very prominent issue because this is the one where Mr. Terrific sends a letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sent a letter to Alana. And mm-hmm. she basically, we, the narration of this issue is the letter as we see her kind of going about her day after she's read the letter. You know, she, she, mm-hmm. she reads this in the morning. And the art, for the most part, at least in the present day stuff, is all her, you know, she showers, she puts on her makeup, she she goes and does publicity, she takes photos with uh, with the army and the military, she, you know, she gets the jetpack to go there and come back, and then she takes off her makeup, she gets ready for bed, and mm-hmm. eventually Adam comes home and, you know, asks, you know, this is a letter from Terrific, you know, what's that about? Yeah. That, that's, that, I mean, obviously, we'll get into what's in the letter in a minute. No, but, right. Uh, yeah. But it's also what she's doing as a representative of Rand, and it looks like she is making weapon sales, right? It looks like they're selling Randian technology to the well, military to fight the picks. The beauty of it, though, is that all of this is done with the knowledge she's learned from the Slayer. And mm-hmm. so as she's going through the day and she's pretending to still be the same Alana and she's putting on the fake smile, she's doing all these things, mm-hmm. uh, she's doing all this knowing that her heart is probably changed from what it was that morning mm-hmm. when, you know when she read it so yeah she's still putting on a face though it, it like this, but the yeah. beauty of it though is that we we don't know everything yet because we're only just discovering the letters the issue goes on so mm-hmm. we're only getting a sense that there's something underlying as she's right. as she's doing the press as she's talking to the president mm-hmm. as she's taking these photographs and there's just this kind of like this hiding of emotion, and you know, to be fair, that's been a big theme of the book because Adam's mm-hmm. been hiding how he's been really feeling the entire yeah. time. Yeah. So you, you got all this going on. So, and we see kind of the the ends of the war. We see Adam, like you know, as, you know, uh, killing various picks, execution style throughout the book. We see him strategizing. Uh, you know, they even give us a map of like uh, mm-hmm. Ran, I guess. Uh, at the start and talk about how they've, they've captured some of the east so now they have to try and take the west and all the rest and it, of it. it shows how brutal this war has become with the picks on ran you know like it it's it's not like this gentleman's war right like we see him go down to the sea people right and and just see how many of them are just floating there dead you know and and then we see the sea people attack what i would assume was a pick creature you know, and how vicious and brutal they are. And it's like, what what has this war done to the residents of Rand? You know, uh, underlying this. But we also got, like, towards the end of that part of the story, we get that fun thing where it's Shayna's art, but it goes from finished to unfinished, right? Like, you, you go across the page. So, again, it's almost like, is this just a fabrication? You know, like, what what exactly is the truth? Uh, and, and that's what leads here, too, because... I know this is Mr. Terrific's, like, I figured it out, but there's still two issues left, right? Yeah, there's still more to this. There's, still, so, there's definitely going to be more. I think one of the yeah. things I love about the the start is even the idea that the first thing Alana does after yeah. reading this letter is she goes for a shower. Like, she has, yep. she has to go and, you know, clean, clean herself, herself yeah, yeah. of it. Uh, very symbolic. Uh, it makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense, and then the idea of putting on the fake face, you know, because we talked about how she's she's you know, it's the fake smile, she's she's doing all this publicity, mm-hmm. knowing what she knows now, 
but the idea of putting on makeup is it's almost a very literal like, you know we're put you're putting on your face you're putting on your face yeah. face you know it's mm-hmm. not quite a mask but in a way it kind of is right uh so yeah to, to get to the actual content of this letter though which is you know basically terrific talking about how there's three inconsistencies there's three things that don't quite add up uh and the first one is that you shouldn't have won the war right the picked war on ran you should not have won that something doesn't add up like they basically let you win which Mm -hmm. is just kind of interesting and then the second side of it is it also doesn't make sense that we are losing that you know they they, they've somehow outsmarted batman and that doesn't usually happen with phoenix because batman had plans to preserve cities and there's no way the picks could have figured that out it's batman like and then mr terrific even mentions he's like there's a lot of people here that believe that if batman has enough time you can't defeat him so this doesn't line up yeah and you know, and obviously as we're reading some of this, we're seeing the horrific imagery of like just like executing picked up and down a beach. Uh, yeah. And if you think back to you know, uh, like again before we get to the final revelation, but mm-hmm. if you think back to like when the the, the various picked were yelling Adam Strange's name and like they, they really like give across this idea of how much they hate him as a, yeah. as a war criminal and all that. Uh, but so we have that. Uh, so so the picked chose to lose the war i love that 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 line is given as she's at the podium at the white house there's something so symbolic about the idea of like lying on that stage like lying Mm -hmm. in that particular place it's just very and how and how bad that is yeah yeah so that's a really neat touch that's when you get all to all the stuff with the water uh on ran itself Mm -hmm. but yeah so it's like okay so but why are we losing like we're, we're losing like this is the thing. You talk a lot about Ran fighting back and winning the war and how, how hard it was, but if you stop and think about it, like Earth is way better prepared for something like this. We we have an entire Justice League. We have an army of superheroes. Multiversal shenanigans, as I, yeah. I believe he says. We've had crisis after crisis. We mm-hmm. fought off alien invasions, but Ran never had. Ran somehow won this war, and right. So obviously it ties back into them letting them win, but. Why are we losing now? This is mm-hmm. this is strange. Like something's not quite right. Um, you know, clearly the amount of effort the the war was, you know, which again suggests that they were underfighting. You know, yeah, on Ran. Uh, so, and I mean, obviously, <laughs> even the image again. We talked about the shower earlier, talking about cleaning off the the, mm-hmm. you know, what she's learned in the letter and right. putting on the face. But there's even a panel after she goes after she's made this speech to the white house she reads some of the news sitting in a toilet seat it's obviously a very intimate setting but if you look at the the idea of this art here i mean mm-hmm. a person's at their most sort of embarrassed and vulnerable when they're sitting yep. in a toilet um, seat right yep. mm-hmm. you know it's pretty straightforward stuff but she's just she literally goes straight from talking to the public and now knowing what she's saying is is a lie effectively mm-hmm. she know she, I mean, obviously, she was always playing it up. She was always doing the polit- politicizing of, of what it, sh- what mm-hmm. it was. But now she knows it's all based on bullshit. Uh, right. And then she literally goes and has a shit. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a right, really or, trud way of yeah, putting it. But... If that's what she's doing. Or, like, I just think it's the vulnerability yeah. aspect. Wh- wh- whatever she's doing on the toilet. It's it's the fact that she is, you know, 
like you said, at her most vulnerable. Uh, but and then, that's where she is in the story. But then she has to wash her hands clean of it as well. Now, obviously, yes, everyone washes their hands. Well, most people should wash their hands. You should. Uh, Although, I have to the, go to the fact bathroom. that we, we survived through a pandemic tells me that a lot of people don't do what they're supposed yes. to over the course of the year. So. Of course. Ugh. But not only is it, again, the symbolism of, of washing and like mm-hmm. you know, getting her hands clean again after she's made this speech in knowing she's lying, but the look she gives herself in the reflection, like the you know, the, the, uh-huh. the, the reflection, like you know, if you go back to the, the few pages where she's on camera and she's putting on the smiles, she's doing all, mm-hmm. everything the way she's supposed to, and it's very, you know, calibrated. It's very very orchestrated for the camera, and then you look at that 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 expression in the mirror as she's washing her hands when she's private mm-hmm. and alone. Like, she still has kind of a smell on her face when she's on the toilet seat, when she's looking at the, the phone and she's, like, reading mm-hmm. the, the responses, like, things are going well. It's almost like for a second she kind of forgot, like, that she was, you know, the charade she knew she was in now. Mm-hmm. Well, again, that's where she's at her most, right? That's where she doesn't have to put on anything, right? Like, well, no, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, she's... Fr- no, that's what I'm saying. She's not gotten yeah. to that point yet. She's, she's kind of forgotten... Okay. And mm-hmm. she's, she's sort of like saying, oh, the speech was a success. She's looking at the responses in social media or whatever. But then it hits her again, what she's learned that morning. And she's looking at the, the reflection in the mirror. Like, you know, like I'm wondering if there's like a sort of, a sequential sort of thought process. Because she's kind of smiling in that top pile. It's, it's like she's not quite like, like tuned into that side of her yet. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so the art, I mean, obviously what, we're, what I'm really saying here is the art is phenomenal. There's so many like, subtleties mm-hmm. and everything, uh, yeah. you know, with that. With Alana's expressions, uh, the double meaning behind things, but then she's back into public mode where she's talking to the military and she's talking, mm-hmm. she's looking at the weapons and the tanks and all the rest of it. But this is this is where the letter gets really interesting, though, is because it starts talking about, you know, the start of the book, the Strange Adventures mm-hmm. book that Adam wrote was, you know, for my daughter whom I lost in the war, my life is spent with grief. And Terrific goes on to analyze what this actually meant in the Bible, where, where this quote comes from. Mm-hmm. And how it wasn't about mourning a death, it was about what you felt guilty about, it was about what you gave up. Yeah. And, you know, we've been theorizing so much, is the daughter actually dead? Or did he mm-hmm. let her be killed to win the war? Which I, I think that was probably the, the, the biggest theory, or the strongest one, yeah. which is that he actually gave the daughter up to be murdered as a sacrifice right. to right. to win the war in some way or something. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out it's actually kind of worse. And and again, talk about the symbolism, that, that final panel and that nine panel grid where yeah. the, it says the, the, the thing that, um, uh, you know, it says in the letter here, uh, as he's finishing this, this, this passage from the Bible, it says they, did, mm-hmm. they devised to take away my life. It says that as she's standing in front of a huge American flag, and it's just that simple thing where she is tiny, she feels so yep. small, and she's enveloped by the country and the the flag mm-hmm. and the status of that. Um, yeah, it's it's basically that. It's also if you look at the meta context of it, this country especially will love to you know support the troops, support the military, but then when they come back from fighting. It's oh, you have no use for us. It's it's super hard for veterans, right, to to adapt back to life, and and it's basically here almost like it's almost the culture to to stack up like you're such a hero. Oh my god, all the sacrifices you made, 
yet they're only words like there's little actions people actually and, all and keep in mind the the two pages or whatever before this is mm-hmm. her encouraging the yeah. the young the troops to go and you know yeah. fight and Right. You know, I think that that final panel here, the symbolism of not just the mm-hmm. fact that it's the flag, but the idea that she feels small and she feels like she's being dwarfed by the idea of the flag and being right. like swallowed she's up by it is a, a you know, that churn. Yeah, that churn. Yeah. And, you know, obviously King, who was in the CIA, the fact that he's mm-hmm. putting themes like this, you know, maybe, maybe this gives us an insight into how maybe he felt at times that he's part of the yeah. machine, that he's part of the system. Exactly. And, and that's what the whole, that whole final line is they devised to take away my life yeah you know is is you know you, you get me over there tell me how important and then we're just a piece of the machine you don't actually mean any of this and that you know? that transition on the next page as well because she flies mm-hmm. off with a jetpack and the yep. troops are all looking up at her and it transitions to her with a jetpack you know in the, uh-huh. the war and ran and they're talking about winning and they're 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 all <laughs> united killing the picked um and like you say, it comes undone, that last panel is where the art, like the colour fades away and it's not yep. finished. Um, We're winning. And it's just pure chaos, and right? It, and it's, it's like, this is the thing, it's, it's at the end of it, right? And it's as she's arriving home, it transitions back to her arriving home. So it's the idea that in her head, the heroic image she had of her husband in the war is being undone. Gone. Yeah. Right. And she lands, she, you know, she, she starts to undo her shirt and like get comfortable, takes off the makeup. And again, the face changes. Like she's very stern looking yeah. by the end of that page. Well, she's so through all of this, she looks very glamorous, right? Yeah, yeah. And then here, this last panel, she's got a warrior face, right? This is a woman that's seen battle, it's, like for it, sure. And I think more know? to the point, she's getting ready to go into a fight. And uh-huh, the fight, exactly. the face with Adam, the face not with uh-huh. anything else. And in um, the mirror, because she, <laughs> and well, and also here she's broken, right? This is. You know, King and Garrett's working in unison to show that this has fractured her. Oh yeah, right? she's yeah, she's obviously her husband, the, her planet. The next like, yeah, the next page she smashes the mirror and it's this this thing. Um but it's during this page where she's taken off the makeup with the with the wipes where she we we hear the the meat of this, right? The the real like yeah. the theory is that Adam like he faked the daughter's death. Aaliyah was not killed. Basically he gave up Earth. He made a deal. Right. This is the theory. Save Ran. He he basically let us save Ran, and you can have Earth, which yeah. maybe is more desirable for whatever reason. And right. as collateral, they have taken the door. And all of the stuff, all of this like war crime stuff with him brutally murdering Pict, like they basically agreed to do that so that he would never look suspicious. So that you know, like. Right. Like, you know, you look like you were overly yeah. vicious. And that's something that's something that Terrific talks about, is that yeah. when they accused Adam of all the stuff that he'd done in the war to win, like, it was then spun by her as, yeah, exactly, that's how determined we were, that's why you need us on your side to win, which in turn makes Adam look the last person who would have made a deal right. with the enemy. And Right. Well, we've, we've done this too in, in US history, right? Like, who aren't Bin Laden against the Soviets? the United States, who then in turn create problems with Al-Qaeda later down the line. You know, we have a history of, of doing this, of arming people who end up becoming our foes. What? And here, you know... Yeah, what I think is wonderful about this is that obviously, you know, the final lines of this as he's summing this up, you know, like, you shouldn't have won the war, we should be winning based on you winning, because right. we are much stronger than you are, just from a power mm-hmm. level. 
and then on top of that, your you know your daughter like she did not die like, and he sums it up by saying he lied to Ran, he lied to Earth, and he lied to you. Now, part of me likes the idea, of course, that Alana is a good enough person that she would still be upset if she found out that Adam tried to sacrifice a whole other planet of innocent people yeah. to save Ran. But and maybe maybe she would, maybe she wouldn't. But just but to make it personal, he gave up their daughter to do it, and right. so. Maybe we'll find out where her mor- morality lies amongst the other details. But That's... if nothing else, her daughter was taken from her, and she was told that she was dead. Right. For this lie, for this purpose. Right. I I could almost get around the fact that that she was almost fine with giving up Earth, like you said, right? But she had never factored in her daughter having a part of that, and that her daughters are somewhere presumably still alive. Because that's the collateral, right? Like, they're not going to kill her until Earth is theirs. And, and keep in mind as well that, you know, her whole thing these past months, whatever, is has been to convince Earth how to fight, that they need to fight. Her job has effectively been trying to convince everyone right. how to save Earth. And right. she's believing that is her goal. And the whole mm-hmm. time is that maybe Adam's like, nah, not really. <laughs> like, right. you know, and, and I'm thinking of that end of that issue, whatever it was, 7, 6, whatever it was, yeah. with him sitting in the, the, the room with all the, the body bags, crying. Yeah. Now, think about the uh, context of that scene now, knowing what he may have done, assuming yeah. that Terrific is completely well, right. Well, there's that too, and, and Phoenix, in and of itself. What did he have to do with Phoenix now? Because if that mm. reeks of an inside, right? If, if the, how the pics figure out Batman's defenses and whatnot, right? That's Terrific's whole point of bringing that up. But they still manage to. Yeah, and just, so, I love the I love the fact that there's some blood smeared in the glass of the stairs yeah. when Alana's coming down because she's, she's punched the mirror. Her, her hands fist, obviously yeah, bleeding. Her fist is still bleeding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a really nice touch. And looks down because obviously uh, we hear uh, on the previous page right after she smashed the wind of the mirror. Uh, you know, Alana, you upstairs, whatever. He has no idea what's about to come for him, and he looks up. You know, that final panel, the first time we see Adam yeah. in present day in this issue. It's him looking mm-hmm. up saying, Alana, is everything okay? And, like, I hope the next issue is just... Because I almost think that maybe there'll be a different format next issue because now mm-hmm. we've gotten to the end of the fantasy of what the, the war yeah. was. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that I don't think there'll be flashbacks still, but it'll be the true flashbacks of the deal or something right. like that, yeah. But what we saw, how... Because it keeps getting less and less, like, these are fun space adventure war to, no, this, look how brutal this war was. But even yeah. that's part of the, the lie, the propaganda, as pointed out by this right. issue. That right. they want Adam to look like he did go too far, but that's mm-hmm. to convince you that he would well, never no. work with them. Right, but I'm talking about Ran in and of itself. Like, he was also getting them... He was getting the different factions of Ran yeah. to become yeah. as brutal as him, right? You know, so if that all plays as part of the lie. Yeah, not well. even just that. The idea of the pride that Alana felt that her, con- or her mm-hmm. planet was able to fight this off is a lie right. as well. The, 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 she, she's she's felt pride over nothing. Everything right. she said in the news about oh you need us because we were able to win this. No, you didn't. <laughs> right. It was it was all a facade. So so not only has he lied about on a very very personal level the death of her daughter, which is like soul crushing. Like she could have had her daughter with her all these years, but uh-huh. all the pride that she's felt and the fact that everyone else on on Rand who also felt this pride. It's all based mm-hmm. on a lie. 
is is actually kind of devastating and maybe there's more to this and i i do think there's maybe a bit of a swerve because i don't know if we're going to go quite outright to adam helped like destroy an entire city on earth because that is actually very no. dark yeah but he might as well have you know because of this deal and again i think that i don't think holt has it all completely figured out i think there's more mm. to that story too i think um, that's, that's going to be revealed there may be some more to make us think he could be more redeemed, but yeah. right, right now it doesn't feel that he can be redeemed. Right, right now he's the villain of the story. Yeah. 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 And I think, because what I love about this is I'm thinking back to the previous issues, and I, I remember talking about how at first Alana felt more villainous than he did, and it mm -hmm. felt like she was pulling the strings, but then as time went on it felt like, no, nah, it seems like he knows stuff that she doesn't. Now looking back, like, that's almost part of the whole fabrication is that he made her, because of who she is and her personality type, all, all of her attitude came from what they went through, from losing right. their daughter, from the war they fought, which was apparently mostly fake, right? Obviously, there was really there was really people dying on both sides, but it was all kind of like a staged thing. Right. And all of that, like, she she's the one who has had her strings pulled, in a sense. Again, assuming all of this is completely right. Mm -hmm. And I suspect that a lot of it is in the ballpark, if not right. Like, I ex yeah. I expect there'll be some more details. There may be a little bit of a swerve with some of it, but I, there's too much of this that lines I, up with everything so far. I, that I still think there's a part of it that has to do with that interrogation they did of him, almost mm. as if they made him a sleeper agent kind of deal. You know what I mean? Like, not that mm. it didn't necessarily frees him from stuff, but. I was getting, even though I've never seen the show from seeing it discussed, I was getting Homeland vibes throughout this. You know, like here's this American hero who's returned that's really a sleeper agent. You know, and how much more, how much more destruction and chaos can he cause from the inside versus the out? And that's what I was getting throughout as I read this. Uh, so. Yeah, it's I actually there. I would love to go back and read all the issues again because uh, I yeah. feel like knowing this and knowing, like just thinking about how Ran treated Mister Terrific when he was there, yep, like and their pride from all this, knowing perhaps mm -hmm. where it came from now, is just it adds this extra layer to everything uh, right. throughout the story. Right. So, um, uh, also real real quick, uh, the the quote that this ends on is from someone named Jack Kamen. So I looked him up, and he's an old-school artist. He used to do stuff for EC Comics. He also did advertising art. Mm. So when you read this quote, so say you're doing an arm, you see the drapery crunch up to where the elbow breaks, and then the flare coming off the shoulder, same down. Once you tell somebody this is what happens, why it happens, you rule supreme. I didn't understand that exactly until I looked up that he used to do advertising, and it's all about the sell, right? So if he was doing advertising art, him describing basically how to fake like you're not really drawing a dress right you're showing how it you know how it how it sits on the arm you know you don't actually know need to know the nitty-gritty to know but it's almost like um not a lie exactly but it's, it's almost a cheat and i feel that, that that's summation of this for both of their sides right because what Alana's doing, going through and selling this idea of the war, you know, to keep it going of, of, of the picks invading Earth and then all of Adam's stuff and how he was able to sell it to her. It's just there's there's layers upon layers here. And Tom King's way too smart. 
<laughs> you know, that, that's what we're getting down to. Between this and Rorschach, he's very, very smart. I, I, I guess what makes this interesting, this issue so interesting to me is that, yeah, she has been doing the sell, but up until now, she's been doing it from a place of genuine, like, right. you know, like, this is the, this, this day where she goes and does all this is the first time where she's had to do it knowing that it's kind of based on a falsehood and mm-hmm. that she's hawking something that isn't quite true. Uh, and that presumably now she actually might doubt that they can save Earth. And presumably Adam's going to have to like come clean and like help fight them back somehow. And how do you do that and get the daughter back if she indeed is there to be taken back? You know, there's a lot of, you know, questions that arise from that. But yeah. now a big issue, definitely the, mm-hmm. the big one that, that, that changes things. And I think it makes sense to do this with two issues left because there's so much like fallout to this. Like, I almost expect the next issue just to be them having their conversation the whole time. Like, like I expect just yeah. the back and forth between the two of them with the truth of what, what the deal was. And then issue 12, probably how they kind of solve the war on Earth and, yeah. you know, win that. I mean, I'm sure it'll be more interesting than that because, you know, King knows what he's doing and I'm just mm-hmm. ballparking. But, um, <laughs> phenomenal. Um, yep. I'm having a hard time faulting something in this. And obviously, the art is tremendous. We've pointed out some some moments and pieces, and just how mm-hmm. how much it adds to the story. Not just because it depicts what you're supposed to see, but the art also adds subtext constantly. Yeah, and that's something that a lot of comic books don't do. And I think it's something that King brings a lot out of his artists. He he knows how to like direct them and how to let them sort of mm-hmm. like add to the story in ways that are this beyond just oh that looks like batman jumping off of a roof and it looks very convincing or it looks very stylized mm-hmm. there's also subtext there too and i think that's very impressive uh yeah. all right with that i said matt what are you giving french adventures issue Nine, 10 9.5 yeah um I'm gonna go with a ten. I, Joe, I was yeah. I was going to go nine point five until we spoke wow. about it, and I think uh, it's one of those things where the more I I think about it, and the more I I talk about like because I think when you're reading it and you're reading Alana go through all this, but you you don't know everything mm-hmm. she read yet. I think going back through it again and talking about it scene by scene and talking about all those moments she has with the full knowledge adds so much more to it. it, it you know that, that that this book in general is one that just warrants being read twice every issue not because you won't follow or mm-hmm. understand it but because it just adds so much to it once you have the full scope of what the issue was trying to say uh and i feel like i i almost have that with every issue of this book when we talk about it it's like every time we go back through it again and talk about each scene in context it's like oh wait a minute like i'm getting even more appreciation than i did when i actually read it and yeah well yeah i i found that with king that happens a lot mm. you know so which is because good. it is so later. Yeah. Like it, you said. It's just so rewarding because of that. Yep. Uh it's wonderful. Um so, you know, and the, you know, those pages I even mentioned, like you know, that, that page where she's flying off to the White House, but she's like holding her shoes. Yeah. Uh while she's in there in her sort of fairly fancy business suit. Uh just you know, beautiful. The sun behind her. Like it, you know, it's stunning stuff. Alright, there you go. That's uh Miss, sorry, not Mr. Miracle. I say, I'm, I'm going back to the nope. King book. Strange Another Adventures, one. issue 10. 
which will take us on uh, to the part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and top five books. And, you know, we're getting to the point now where they've added enough stuff back into the weekly rotation that there is enough books to, like, have, have to make competition. cuts. Yeah, there's, there's competition now. Uh, so, yeah, panel slash moment, Matt, what you got? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, After Alana Punches, the, the mirror, mm-hmm. and it's all fractured, and, you know, her makeup makeup's off, and we're seeing her true form. You know, so good. Plus, Garrett's is <laughs> so good as, as an artist. I can't wait to see him working on other things, you know, other than just Tom King works. Yeah, it's, this is tough. Um, that said, while you figure that out, it could have been stuff from Robin. I mm-hmm. loved a lot of stuff that happened. Robin, Stargirl, yeah, some great continuity stuff. But, I mean, come on, it's Garrett's. I mean, that two-page GSA spread in, in Stargirl's, mm-hmm. uh, like, I may give it to that, even though, the, I, I think from mm-hmm. a, a writing style, I think from, like, an art, artistry standpoint, there's definitely <laughs> much better things in Strange Adventures. Really? But I like looking at it. <laughs> the Justice Society. But I just, I, there was such a pop. I, I'm going to go with that. Since you're giving Strange there Adventures the, 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 the show, I'll, I'll you give... Give them the cheap pop. I'll, I'll give them the cheap pop for the GSA two-pager. Uh, all right. Cover of the week, Matt. We got. All right, so there's the a lot of good ones. Uh, the Strange Adventures one's really good. It's the the, the Garrett's one especially. But uh, I'm gonna go with the Action Comics variant by Janin. It just looks like 40s era Superman. Uh, it's the oranges and the reds. Yeah, it's very, it just pops. It looks it's so good. It's very nice. Very very nice. Uh, I will say the main detective cover I think is really good, as and the variant's actually very nice as well with Batman in the clay, uh, mm-hmm. as if he's been swallowed up. I think that's a really nice uh, variant. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Robin variant with the 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 the, the reds and the blacks, the, the, the high mana pole. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's very pretty. Uh, I'm going to be boring and go with the the regular Strange Adventures though, the Garrods one. Yeah, but it's good though. Yeah, she's wiping the, the the steam off the the, the mirror, so very representative of what uh, the issue is actually, which is not always true for the covers. Sometimes the covers are a little bit misleading. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my pick. All right, best art of the week. Here we got uh, Strange Adventures. Of course, it's Strange uh, Adventures. But shout out to Action Comics though, uh, and shout out to Robin. So, uh, action, tech, Robin. Yeah, all had great art, but mm-hmm. Strange Adventures. You know, bar none. It's just, it's just, it's just, mm-hmm. too, it's just too good. The, the only negative thing about it is that it's just maybe a little too good. <laughs> that's that's, yeah, the, that's right? the one downside. <laughs> All right, top five, go. All right, uh, one Strange Adventures, two Star Girl Spring Break Special, three. Uh, I'm trying to remember now. Three Action Comics, four Robin, five Detective Comics. All right, my number one is Strange Adventures. Number two is a little tough because I, I rate them the same, and I'm just trying to think in my head now which one I like more. I think I might, I might just yeah, I'll go detective number two, action number three, four, Robin, and I think based on ratings, it actually would be something else, but I'm going to go Stargirl just because of the excitement. But but technically, yeah. it should be Batman Superman based on ratings. But you yeah, know what? That's, this is a, look, 
these aren't just mathematical. There's a little bit of heart that goes into this too, all right? <laughs> so that's my top five. Uh, so cool. Well, I will tell you what's coming next week then from DC Comics. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk to you about a couple of them because you weren't here for that week last week, uh, last month. Yeah. Uh, so we got Batman 109 coming next week. We got Justice League 62. We have Batman Catwoman issue 5. We have mm-hmm. The Swamp Thing issue 4. Uh, Suicide Squad issue 4 is out as well. Uh, Green Lantern issue 3 is out. Crime Syndicate issue 4. Uh, oh, I was right. Nice nice house, in the, nice house yeah. in the lake is, is next week. Both horror books are yeah. next week. Um, yeah. Uh, we got a double horror dose next week. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, next Batman Second Son, uh, issue three. So we'll be talking about that. That's uh, chapters seven through nine of mm-hmm. the digital uh, series. Uh, Batman Fortnite, zero point issue four. No one cares. Uh, Man Bat, mm-hmm. issue five, is out, uh, which is the final issue of that mini. Uh, Sensational yeah. Wonder Woman, issue four, which is the collection of digital first. Uh, Batman The Adventure Continues, season two, issue one, is out. Crushing Lobo, issue one, are out. It's rare that I won't read an issue one, but I might be tempted to skip that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not like uh, if I didn't have Conjuring a nice house, I, I maybe I'd have time. I've um, got two Patreon books, and I've got yeah. Conjuring a nice house, so I think Crushing Lobo might be left to the wayside. Yeah. Uh, let's not tell Connor though. We'll let Connor think he's reading it. Well, let that, and you know, he'd ask. I got to look up what the hockey schedule is, but yeah. uh, it might be a short week next week because that might be the only day he can record. So, you know. I don't got time. I don't got time. But don't tell him. Keep that hush, guys. <laughs> That's our secret. Yes. Yes. Uh, he has a very Patreon books next week though, because he uh, did all his. Uh... What if someone gives a Patreon book and it's crushing Lobo? Actually, it's an interesting thing. So David makes him read Justice League right now. Yeah. And uh, that's going to go double shipping though uh, soon. Yeah. So I wonder. Because presumably you, don't you, you don't want Carr to read one issue where there's the first month it's double shipping and then constantly be just falling more and more behind. Behind, But yeah. still make him read it, because I don't know if there's any fun in him like talking about the same book that we and you already talked about when it came out. Right. So uh, I'm just going to say that and let David decide what he wants to do with that. Uh, so, and then Carr can just cry when he hears you talking about Just Sleep Dark. Uh, <laughs> so, it's so good, though. It's yeah. so good. So, uh, and then for the last book as well, which we mentioned, is Conjuring the Lover, issue one. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. cool stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm excited for next week. I think there's a few really interesting uh, bits and pieces in there. Um, obviously, Swamp Thing might be the the highest in my excitement list, but I'm really intrigued by the horror book, especially Nice House on the Lake. I'm really looking forward to checking that out. Yeah, I got, I got Swamp Thing, Green Lantern, The End of Man Bat, uh, right, right there. And then you're conjuring a nice, you know, Batman Catwoman. So, a lot of interesting yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Healthy. Healthy in quality Def- and also quantity. Definitely starting to read on Tuesday because, especially if we have a short week. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, cool. So, ho- hopefully, we can uh, record on Friday so Car can make it. If not, it'll be me and Matt again next week. But uh, uh, you will have an episode next week as per usual. Episode 256. Mm-hmm. nothing special about that number i just thought i'd throw it out there yeah. uh so yeah of course i will take this time to thank our patreon producers um and of course those of you who are still waiting on me doing some patreon books uh, i will be doing uh both animal man and uh american vampire next week um 
Uh, I was going to do one this week, but then realized that solicits were here and they take up like 45 minutes. So I decided to push mm-hmm. them both on next week. Uh, so thank you to our Patreon producers, which at the time of recording are Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Board Now, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. Uh, Stanley. Stanley, not Stanley. Excelsior! Uh, they are $20 or more at patreon.com slash TV, but you can support us for much less than that. You can support us for as little as $1 per month and help keep all the content coming. The podcast, of course, but also other content from Mailfuzz TV, the movies and TV reviews and all the other things you get on the YouTube channel. You've not seen those. Uh, do check them out. If you like horror movies or sci-fi movies, there's a dedicated horror movie podcast with myself and Tim called Screams After Midnight. If you like science fiction movies, there's a dedicated uh, movie podcast with myself and Tara called uh, The Atomic Cinema Experiment. Uh, they both have podcast feeds, but they're both also on the Mailfuzz TV YouTube channel uh, along with this podcast. So go have a look if you're interested. But $1 or more to support all the content. Uh, $5 or more in particular gets you early access to this podcast by a day. So if that interests you, uh, check that out. Uh, you can also support us for free by simply hitting the like button, subscribing, uh, getting us on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast, uh, sharing us out, that kind of thing. Uh, all those things do help. I, I really can't emphasize enough how rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from, or liking, subscribing on YouTube, uh, help, because they really do. In fact, Matt was missing for issue one of Wonder Girl last week, and there was a character on it who was demanding that people pound the like and subscribe buttons. Yeah. Uh so it's a shame Matt wasn't here to yep. yell it out because it felt like you would have done. Probably would have. Yes. Yes. I'm not going to do it now, though, because now it's expected. Of course, yes. yes. I, I don't know what you're going to yell at the end, but I'm sure you'll yell something silly. But yes, there you go. That's all my promotion. Uh, thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics. But remember, to never get lost and the speech force. Real question though, where, where was Liberty Bell?